0: I'm Aaron Armstrong.
1: I'm Pete Moran. And I'm Zach Groton. And we love to watch. We love to watch Leatherface have chainsaw impotency. <laughs> hey
0: guys. Hey. Hey gang. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. So uh, the reason I yelled yelled that is because uh, having just finished editing the Devil's Rejects episode, we went a record 15 minutes uh, before mentioning uh, what episode we were talking about. (laughs) Uh, Non-edited version was 45 minutes because a lot got cut out in the early. So I think uh, in an effort to improve... Uh, the fact that we we like we were talking about the movie and then never but just like not giving enough specifics for anyone to know. And then all of a sudden Peter was like, oh, yeah, we're talking about Devil's Rejects. Now, I get it. Most people can read, but
1: uh, <laughs> there... you had to you had to literally click on on if you're using a touchscreen app, you literally had to click on the the name of the episode with the movie in it so i don't know if anyone's confused about what movie it is but it's still probably good form to mention it
0: yeah or to yeah just completely forget and we we've we've have a track record and it seems like it's probably a bit but i can assure you it is not a bit i don't know why we just cannot remember to say so uh the new segment is going to be i'm going to shout out the name of the movie before we have a chance to forget
1: (laughs) the bit is (laughs) unprofessionalism
0: yep exactly (laughs) So Zach, thank uh, you again for joining us—a record three times. Um, yeah. The only the only people that have been on the show more than you at this point are myself, Peter, and
2: uh, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ.
0: Yeah. Who's with us always?
2: I'm a good company. I'm in. I mean, you know Jesus. No, of course not. I'm uh, here again somehow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> now, have you ever recorded? So now
0: you're back in Florida. Last time you recorded, we as you were so quick to point out, we were ruining your vacation. Yeah. Um, do you feel more comfortable? I guess now you you, you started back at your job and we're ruining uh, you getting a good night's sleep.
2: Yeah, that now. Okay. now well, at least now, I'm not in a house of a guy who doesn't want to turn the air conditioning on because he's cheap. Because I, <laughs> I definitely turn the air conditioning on because some luxuries are just worth the money. Well, let's hope he doesn't listen to this podcast.
0: <laughs> oh, like, I hope I, he does.
2: I hope he does. It's... I told him the whole time I was there. Dude, turn on your
0: air. Uh, I love the idea of him listening and just, like, getting kind of a sad face and going, like, I, I told Zach about my financial difficulties. I don't know. <laughs> so last time we had Zach on the show, uh, we were just like, we, we had never had a guest on twice. We didn't really know what to do. So I think we just started talking. Uh, but And then we kind of forgot our normal, like, guest decorum, like, just because maybe you've listened to some other episodes. Maybe you haven't heard Zach before. Uh, and, and if you haven't. You absolutely should. He does our artwork. Uh, he's been on our Superman two episode and our Godzilla versus Dora episode. Uh, both excellent listens. Um, so if you like Zach's voice here and are like, where can I hear that again? Yeah. Uh, I would I would recommend either listening to those two episodes or breaking into his house and like hiding in a closet for a little bit. Yeah. So now that we've kind of recalibrated, we're like, okay, Zach, you get another chance to introduce yourself to our audience in a segment we call Three Other Things About Yourself.
2: All right, so the first thing, I am a math teacher. I teach algebra, geometry, and pre-algebra. Uh, second thing, I am going to be a film teacher in a year, like literally in a year. Our school is going to do a film program. and That's awesome. Is it going to be like a filmmaking one, or is it, it going to
0: be like film education?
2: Oh, it'll be like making, yeah, because it's middle okay. schoolers, and you know yeah, they, I can't they sh- like watching movies. I can't, I can't show them like clips of Goodfellas and say, "Here's how you do this." So. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, well, it'll be it'll be a little bit of both. I'm gonna weave in some film history so I can sneak in silent films for you know pre-teens because that's the only way they'll watch them if they have to. <laughs> and and so at uh, the third thing, I'm a big fan of this whole genre of this month the killbillies redneck horror so i uh,
1: love that stuff yes thank you we hope someone's enjoying yeah.
0: it instead of like an again um, <laughs> <laughs> another one of those <laughs> yeah so well thank you so much for sharing three more things about yourself zach um yeah so listeners out there if you want to attend his film class i would recommend uh going in something that
2: i recommend being oh, if they're younger <laughs> if they're younger they can yeah, be 13
0: yeah, yeah and then live in florida and then Zach will teach you how to
1: operate a dolly. I don't know if we have that de- <laughs> budget for a dolly. We'll have an iPad. <laughs> you can make some sort of uh, film tracking shots with like a, a chair, like a rolling yeah, chair. Yeah, we're gonna use a wheelchair probably. <laughs> that's a great yeah, idea. Actually, or you can
0: make
2: something out well, of yeah, like, wheelchair a, works really well. That, that's a real thing. It yeah, helps I, if no
0: one's using it, but it is yeah. a real thing.
1: Yeah, I <laughs> know, yeah, because the big, bigger the wheel the more, uh, the less shaky it is. When I was fucking around with uh, making films when I was in high school, uh, mostly just squib test movies. But uh, I did make a device <laughs> that, like, was basically connects that I locked my camera into, and then that way I could do smoother tracking shots. Luckily, it was just a little DV cam, so it didn't need like anything substantial. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it was, it was it was it was a fun experiment. A wheelchair would be perfect. Though. I it like
0: it. the uh, the Sam Raimi thing of like strapping one end to a board or not yeah. a bo- like a two by four and have someone like running through uh holding one each end and running through stuff that's how they did all the uh deadite shots from the first evil Dead.
2: i used to try to build my own equipment but then over the years like every camera gets more and more expensive and the like the most recent one was like a three thousand dollar camera and i'm like I don't know if i want to strap this to a board <laughs> 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 this is really expensive <laughs> this is i, I almost, almost as expensive as my car <laughs> i might be a little more careful with yeah. this one so now i'm
1: now, now you I'm just use uh, the wheelchair yeah well yeah why don't you just strap it to your car you know double jeopardy you can't get in trouble i've that actually way. done that and uh, i was nervous the whole
2: time like i yeah i imagine i bought a device that like it's a suction cup that like you stick it, you can stick it on a window or in the hood, and it, it works great. And it's like guaranteed, you know, like it's not gonna fall off. And yeah. like they they even have a like if it falls off and breaks your equipment, the company will replace it. I'm still like sweating the whole time I'm watching. I'm like it's gonna fall off, it's gonna fall off. It's, it's like, great. It's, it's, it's great also... that you're
0: using the same technology that keeps Garfield staring at passengers in the back. It's exactly.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta keep Garfield yeah. up all right thank you very much yeah. Zach. yeah thank you um yeah so i brought a little uh, game for us to play it's it's less a game than more of an interview style oh. thing um and uh zach feel free points? to jump in uh, sure <laughs> you get one point for every time you don't hit pass on me I, I, i'm amazed um, no one has combined the
2: interview with a game show format into more fully on television <laughs>
1: like, <laughs> they just, they just, uh, like, you're interviewing a celebrity who's in the midst of, like, a scandal, and then they tell you something that you want to know and I'll be like, well, I think it goes back to when my father used to hit me, and then there's just, like, lights go <laughs> ding, ding, off ding, ding, and they ding, start ding, throwing ding. money at you. <laughs> and then the person just gets caught up in it. And they're like, well, also, my uncle <laughs> used to hit me, and, like, the lights go brighter. So at the things, end of um, round two.
0: <laughs> First, what kind of job interviews are you going on where those sort of things are coming up? Uh,
1: <laughs> I met like TV okay. interviews. <laughs> okay.
0: Oh, these are this the is circus, not a fake yes. job interview. Okay. Well, that that explains it. So they, I mean, because they did do in the early two thousands on Fox, they did a game show that was based on uh, dying in the electric chair, but I guess they never got to <laughs> having an interview as
1: a That's game really.
0: show inspiration.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um well i mean this is you uh this is like a exit interview on a job that you've already had yeah. i guess that's one way to look at it um am i going wait hold aaron, on i'm going fired? Fired? <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> that's when i pull off a mask and somehow my voice is different too aaron in his past uh worked a little bit in radio oh. and uh, the film texas chainsaw massacre 2 uh, depicts a uh, radio dj and her engineer running foul of the sawyer clan and so i have some questions to aaron about his past as a radio dj i just want to like uh, i want to see if this movie passes the sniff test the, the first
0: thing I, i'm going to tell you uh we did not shut down at midnight because a lot of times i had to do the midnight to 6 a.m shift
1: Hmm. Yeah, I was wondering while I was watching this, I was like, what uh, scrub has to do the 12 to 6? To and I'm like, oh, that's probably how you well, start, oh right? Yeah, this, this, probably this is probably like this a lot is, of, they need someone to cover the hours that are ungodly, right?
0: I was just going to say, and this is true, um, so because now I did I did stuff where I was actually talking and I had my own like two-hour show huh. uh, where I had people from the high schools and stuff come in and, and, and that kind of thing, so... But the Midnight to Six Shift, they basically just have um, a playlist that you play that's already on these 15-minute chunks of, like, eight tracks. And it was so boring because all I had to do was jump in to do news and weather and that kind of stuff um, that I would bring a TV, like, uh, a monitor in and a Super (laughs) Nintendo and play it for six hours or, like, watch a couple movies. The first time I saw True Romance was on the Midnight to Six Shift at, uh, at the radio station. (laughs)
1: <laughs> That's awesome. Did you just have like a stopwatch or something? How did you keep yourself from like forgetting and missing the, the time block?
0: You hear it over the speakers in the studio. Like when you unplugged your headphones, it went through the speakers. Um, and then it also, I mean, there was a big red dial that was kind of counting down, even if I wanted to turn it down so that if I was watching a movie. So, you know, you just kind of got used to it. I did that for a couple years. years. Um, it was it was an easy shift. Like it wasn't as much fun as doing the actual like going out on remotes or uh, you know, doing the actual show that I hosted, but it was an easy way to basically get paid to uh,
2: watch movies uh, for six <laughs> hours. I would, I would kill for that shift over the going out on a remote. Like, give me the sit in the room, midnight to six, playing Super Nintendo. <laughs> well, you,
0: you you got like you got like three hundred, but like I, I wasn't paid that much to be a DJ. But like, it would be like three hundred dollars to go out for three hours to talk like really? ninety seconds about hot air balloons or whatever the heck festival in rural north dakota they were doing but it was, uh, i'm kind of going into a lot of detail but it wasn't really big radio station it was just uh it was actually the the number one radio station in the state uh when i worked there but um i, I was working like the 10 to midnight shift doing my uh, high school show and like sundays and weekends and that kind of stuff like I, I wasn't doing any of the main
2: like weekday stuff why did you ever why did you quit this business <laughs>
0: well, I went to college.
2: Oh. Uh, oh, you did that, that was, in that was... high school? Yes, yeah, in high school. Oh. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. I didn't even have a job in high school. Oh. Uh I sh- <laughs> I should maybe mention that my
0: dad had the number one talk show in North Dakota for 10-15 years on the same oh, radio okay. station.
1: Was your dad um, Howard Stern? What was the name of that show? <laughs> yes.
0: Uh it was it was What's <laughs> on your mind? It was a call-in show. You know, he had a bunch of guests. Um, but, uh, yeah, so when they were looking for a weekend person, my dad was like, oh, my son could do it. He does a lot of stuff at his school. And so he, my dad wasn't my boss. There was a different person. But uh, that, that was kind of how I got an in to, to do it, essentially.
1: huh? That's terrific background, Aaron. Thank you very much for, for sharing that. I wanted to ask you some questions specifically pertaining to chance on Master <laughs> 2. And I want you to tell me whether or not that it passes the, the sniff test. For you mean, you. You mean uh, the listen test? Uh, Zach, That's you are radio. welcome to okay. to uh, jump in whenever to. Can I ask questions. Oh, of course. <laughs> uh, so, Aaron, my first question is: Do people have to hang up in order to get off the line?
2: <laughs> uh,
0: yes. Uh, as a matter of fact, so this this happened once, uh, and someone called in. They were requesting a song, and they could not they could not think of the song title. It turned out to be Phil Collins and Sue Studio. <laughs> or just studio um, could not remember it but had a lot of time on their hands and literally eight hours like people were not getting the weather uh, it was a bit of a blizzard so it was a big deal uh, but yeah they, he just finally and fi- he, he would knock it off the line they couldn't cut away they couldn't do anything really especially uh, especially the 80s and 90s you were helpless uh, when someone couldn't think of a song title when they called in to request it, or it slipped their mind, um, and so yeah, eight hours, and at the end it was Sue Studio, and and we didn't we couldn't find it, so we didn't. get He to was play on the phone song. for
2: eight hours. Eight
0: hours, yeah, and it huh? was just that was the radio. <laughs> so eight hours, people just heard I, this guy. I, just to be <laughs> clear, obviously this is not true. Like there's easy ways to switch lines.
2: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I believe anything.
0: You know, so it's it is just a phone line. So you can just hang up on them like any phone, really.
1: <laughs> I wanted to make sure. I knew that how they depicted it in the movie where she has to go, hang up, hang up, hang up, hang up. I knew that that wasn't true.
0: Yeah, I mean, you do have to hang up on them, but you're not, like, at
1: their mercy. I don't think there would be any call-in shows
0: if you were at their mercy.
1: That's one of my favorite parts about uh, The Best Show with Tom Sharpling. Cause he was on New York Public Radio, and he was amazing at timing how he would hang up on people. Uh, and he was really, really good at, like, if it was a really boring call, getting people uh, about to get started on another rant and then dumping them as <laughs> soon as they get started. Yeah. Uh, so I knew that it was possible. I just wasn't sure, uh, wh- like, why Why in the movie do they... Has anybody even set foot in a radio station before? Like, Yeah, it, no, it,
0: I'll tell you what. It, what it's funny that you, you have this game because I'm, I'm not going to lie, as I mentioned, like, the... We're going off the air at midnight thing. And obviously no one in this movie knows what the FCC is, just that they have power over radio stations. <laughs> um, because I had notes about it. Uh, it. It's amazing how, even though I haven't worked at a radio station in 15 years, I was like, well, this is just wildly inaccurate. Um, I, didn't, I, didn't, I never thought I would be one of those people, but I was just like, have these people... Do they even know what a radio station is? Because they don't know what the FCC is.
1: And then, uh, so my next question is, thank you very much, uh, Aaron. You get one point for that. Oh, thank God. My next question is, did your engineer ever play with Lincoln Logs or turn uh, French fries into Lincoln Logs? Uh, I
0: mean, I didn't didn't have an engineer. Uh, Most... Uh, a lot of radio shows actually don't have engineers. That's kind of a really big city big city type thing um, where you uh, have enough of a persona that you don't need to. A lot of times there's a couple people. So I didn't have an engineer, but I'll tell you what, my imaginary engineer that always existed with me, uh, he did all of those things uh, and, and, <laughs> and hugged me when I was lonely on the midnight to six
1: shift. <laughs> I wish I had one of those engineers to just follow me wherever I needed to go. Give me a hug and play Lincoln Logs with me i have one of those
2: engineers oh nice yeah i make him wear a conductor's hat (laughs) even though he's not a conductor i just in my mind it's the same thing he's
0: an engineer i know we know we know what his
1: job is you just said it (laughs) yeah so uh my next question aaron is uh how many calls go onto the air unscreened uh actually quite a bit so
0: Again, I did not have a – so when, like, my dad was doing the talk show, there you have a call screener. Um, But when I was taking call-ins for a variety of different purposes, um, a lot of times they just went right on the air. But there was a seven-second delay. So if someone got nuts, you could fix it, although that wasn't a big problem. (laughs) Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense,
1: yeah. Because if someone goes nuts, you could just be like, oh, oh, well, sorry, folks. And then the chances of you getting a second nuts person are so low that it's just like, well – people forget about it or you can just talk for a
0: few minutes and get the delay to build back up is basically how it works so um, uh gotcha. got you so you yeah i mean you're right that the chances of having two people but essentially um if you've ever listened to a radio show and you hear someone go oh sorry we lost that caller maybe that's true or maybe they just use their delay
1: (laughs) oh that's that's smart yeah i and that's something that's believable because of how shitty and, and um unreliable like cell phones are or at least used to be especially (laughs) and and car phones used to be super unreliable so that's a really believable uh lie to the public that the fcc will find you and they will uh, rectify yeah Yeah, the fcc in this place they like they don't fuck around they're
0: like (laughs) they're like you know like they are scared of the fcc there's not just fines it sounds like they like walk around with guns and badges and array to not just shut down radio stations but like destroy them uh reel to reel by reel to reel
1: have they ever have they ever even heard the howard stern show before like what they're doing on the air is almost nothing compared to what howard stern was doing pretty much at the exact same time yeah
0: but it's more than that because they're not even doing anything offensive in a lot of cases they're just making up fcc rules like um my exact quote was yeah i don't think this movie knows anything about fcc regulations um (laughs) And I didn't write down any specific uh, th- things, but I just remember, like, we can't do this after. Oh, it was something about that um, they were covered from anything they played as long as it was requested by a person. And that's how they play that tape. <laughs> like, what the fuck does that even mean on any level? Like, even if you. Like, they are really trusting for some really dumb dubs. Like, oh my God. So I guess if someone said, like, play my, you know, baby dying of stillbirth <laughs> or something, like. Well, I guess we got to play it. We're we're covered legally yeah, like, for this, right? I have
2: a I have a great story about a call in request. I well, it's story. I don't know if it's great. <laughs> when, when I was in high school, or actually middle school, and I lived in Missouri, we had a like a, a modern rock. It was you know mostly like new metal, like uh, you know Tool and disturb and that kind of stuff. Oh, I always tried to call in, but I didn't. You know, in, in my mind, I call and immediately I'm on the air. I didn't realize it's like you know they take your call off the air and you have to wait and uh so i call up and i requested some marilyn manson song that was like brand new at the time and it wasn't like a single or anything and i and i'm just thinking oh they'll play whatever i ask them to and so uh i don't even remember what the other song was called but but, oh mob scene his mob scene was his big single at the time so this is you know 2003 2002 and I, I wanted to play the my other knowledge song. of
0: uh, marilyn manson does not run as deep as you're assuming
2: well yeah I, I, <laughs> this is where my knowledge of him ends back then but he uh i'm like hey can you play that one new song I, I don't remember the name of it now and she's like oh you mean mob scene i'm like no the other one she's like oh okay a mob scene <laughs> and, she, and as politely and passive passive aggressively as she could the dj basically said yeah, we're not playing that one. We're playing Mob Scene because that's the song that's big right now.
0: <laughs> There's no legally binding contract that says they have to play a song they request. Additionally, uh, just because someone requests something does not mean that you are uh, like required under any circumstances to play it no matter what it is, even if it's not a song. So you can't just request, can we hear uh, the sound of people getting killed by chainsaws uh, from the night before and go, well, we're covered legally for
1: all this as if the log for what requests are coming in is like some holy record that they have to scratch into stone and hand over to the fcc every morning yeah. like
0: in this in this movie's alternate universe like the FCC is bigger than like all government agencies combined that they are they are listening to like every second of every like tiny fucking uh, radio station you uh, know in the entire country and like poring over their logs looking for discrepancies and and there's apparently serious consequences uh, but yeah I don't think I don't think I've ever heard of a movie besides um private parts where the fcc is used as like this <laughs> monolith organization that is just ready to shut people down
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah and I, I, I love the idea that they would even care or know what is going on at k okla which appears to share its building with like an apartment <laughs> let, yeah. let, let me let me
0: give you a little radio station trivia um this fact that it starts with a k means i know, know i
2: know this oh okay. i know this west of the Mississippi. Correct. And W
1: is east of the Mississippi. Correct. Yeah, I know stuff. So we, uh, as a WLTW, take place east of the Mississippi. So Chicago. Yep.
0: So our home base is where Got you it. live, not where I live. <laughs> <laughs> Although I'm not sure where I am because I'm on the Mississippi. I'd have to check.
1: Are you? Oh, yeah, you're recording from a riverboat. I forgot about that. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm,
0: not, I'm not sure if we veered to the east or west bank. Uh, this is fascinating radio. Uh, <laughs> unlike, unlike real radio stations, we have an edit button.
1: <laughs> you know, it, it, in real radio stations this would be perfect because it's not just dead air um, well i don't know about that the fcc may get really cut
0: down on us for some of the things that we say <laughs> about them <laughs> i have not been filling out any logs i don't know about
1: you peter <laughs> minimal logs you haven't minimal played logs. any of my um, requests <laughs> I, I I play, drag- can,
0: you want to put a request in? i, I played Dracula eight times every time i episode. listen to the
2: show i call in and no one answers my calls do you have our phone numbers?
1: <laughs> Never mind. Okay, <laughs> Peter, go on. So, uh, Aaron, uh, next question is: uh, callers do not do callers not need to turn down their radios uh, at all in order to talk to the DJ. Uh-huh. There's a scene where the callers are apparently playing their their radio so loud that it can score a battle scene between these two college kids and a chainsaw wielding maniac. And uh the person and it sounds great coming through the other end. like they're recording clean, clean audio back at the studio.
0: No uh, so what's actually funny is that, um so you like you mentioned the the delay button or having to cut people off or something like that. like the the number one reason for having to cut someone off is because people cannot seem to either grasp the concept that they <laughs> are now on the air or how to turn their radio off. like most of my, not just fr- not just from uh, being on the air, but like working with other people on the air, like the number one reason that people called in and never got their request or never got their uh, comment or issue or thought heard on the radio is because they could not either grasp the concept that they were now on the radio or how to turn their radio down because <laughs> they because they would they would literally fucking say hello and then when they did hear hello at the same time on their radio, assume it wasn't them talking. And that would fucking happen all the time. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, it was insane. Like, they'd say hello. They would hear it because, you know, your voice doesn't sound the same to you. But they'd hear someone, like, repeating exactly what they said just, like, a second later. And, like, assume it wasn't them. Like, to, <laughs> the thing I heard most probably on the radio station besides the call sign was, um, yes, yes, you are.
1: Yes, I am talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> the voice of God coming from a burning bush. Yeah, it, it
0: was like they had to go, yes, yes, it is you. Sometimes they would, like, say their names to, like, kick them into gear. It happened all the time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine, because it's a very confusing thing to all of a sudden be like, oh, I'm not just talking to, uh... Because I think people get in their head because they're like, oh, I'm not just talking to my buddy. I'm talking to uh, this radio personality and everybody that is tuned into the station. I think it, thro- I think it throws people off considerably, like, the um, absurdity of having their voice magnified that much. Well, but keep in mind, they are
0: talking on the phone. So they can hear the person talking to them, to them through the receiver as well. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah So yeah. they are hearing someone say hello in the receiver. They're saying hello. And then there's a delay, like of a second where they hear hello through the radio and are like, guess, guess that's not me. Um.
1: Yeah, and and the thing about call screeners, is they can tell people like turn the volume down and then the person doesn't know what's really happening on the radio. And that was another Tom Sharpling thing that he does is he'll slowly drown you out with music if you're being really annoying, but he'll just keep going, uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> just keep you telling a boring story until he dumps you. Genius to me, because the other person has no idea. They just think that they're listening. Yeah, it's really hard to tell. Well, also, probably in that probably case, if in that case to it. it's
0: more mean because they then they really should have their radio on so that they know they're being drowned out slowly with music.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um. But yeah. Uh. The my next question is: How often do you investigate murders when you are a radio DJ? Uh, all the time.
0: Uh, I was actually the every week was a new dj in the slot right before me um <laughs> uh, and eventually i got that slot i don't know i don't know what that had to do with anything <laughs> so really you didn't
1: investigate a murder <laughs> well there was an investigation i just wasn't a part of it <laughs> <laughs> as radio djs are uh, are usually separate from the investigation um yeah but like if i if i heard someone get
0: killed by a chainsaw. Um, I might fall down a cellar later that's, like, right by the radio station.
1: (laughs) I like that that cellar hole is, like, right, is big enough that, like, a car could fall through it. But apparently the car doesn't fall through it. (laughs) I don't know what that trap is supposed to be. It's, like, an Indiana Jones trap that's just designed to fuck over Indiana Jones. But it doesn't seem to bother (laughs) anybody that's occupying the temple.
0: You know why it's also a terrible (laughs) trap? because it doesn't alert anyone when someone's fallen through it.
1: Yeah, there's no there's no like there's no signal or anything. No. It's like there's and if it's Yeah. That's it's what like I always a wondered.
0: fucking maze. No one's <laughs> going to get out. We don't need to like put an alarm or a
2: bell or something on here. That's what I always wondered about like the the boss like castles in video games. I'm like how do these guys live in here? There's just like fire and pits and spikes jumping out everywhere. How do you go, how do you get to the kitchen? In the middle of the night, if that's in your house. Yeah, well, most boss castles, the, the worst
0: stage
1: is always is always the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> the kitchen stage. It just stage. gets you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're so close to getting yourself a nice ham sandwich and then... Bowser. Out of nowhere. Just ripped, ripped just make, right out of there. making
0: a ham sandwich being like, I was not ready for you yet. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's why they have to make so many video games, like... Uh, with like monsters and zombies and stuff because otherwise it would be incredibly depressing to think about the people that have to live in these like concrete (laughs) boxes forever waiting waiting for someone to come kill them at least it makes
0: sense in dark souls because just everything is terrible in that series yeah they're like
1: well it's yeah they're like well it's (laughs) it's shitty here but it's also shitty outside and it's shitty down the street it's shitty through this basement like i don't really know the difference i mean mean, like if someone's
0: trying to kill you don't hang out on a bridge over lava
1: <laughs> or on it's a, literally the only way for anybody to kill you yeah, a floating platform that has
2: no walls and every direction is lava yeah <laughs> get in your get in your yeah. panic room call
0: your goomba support line uh you're just asking for it. plus he's just jumping all around like that's a
1: trip yeah safety first bowser should know that by now he's been murdered like a thousand times yeah. at this point and he gets beaten tennis and golf sometimes Hurts the self-esteem. <laughs> oh, not when I play. Sometimes. I always play now, with Bowser. <laughs> just because you want to see the the underdog win. Yeah. At this point, Bowser like <laughs> Bowser was the villain in the first game, and then in the second game he was a villain, and then in the third game he was still kind of a villain, and now he's just kind of an underdog because he never gets to win. He was the good guy in Super Mario RPG. Oh, really?
0: Yeah, you get to play. I haven't played that one. He
2: joins your party. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, who's people the bad are guy? A
0: Little skeptical. I mean, because he is kidnapping people still. Eh. <laughs> yeah, it's was like really CIA still kidnaps people. Yeah.
2: Well, that's why they got mad at him in the first place. <laughs> well, but it was the wrong people he was kidnapping. You can kidnap, yeah, yeah you can kidnap certain people,
1: just not you know like the princess, <laughs> or, yeah. or her so, sister. Yeah, it's like you can you can bow for good or you can bow for bad. Yeah, you know. You Wait, can, do you, you, do you think out his name what... is a verb? Yeah. <laughs> yes <laughs> bowser as in someone who bowses yeah okay um i i've never i, I, I was... would just be
0: bows as in like you know moves yes. his neck down like a bow
1: yeah a bowser is one who bows okay yeah <laughs>
0: Cannot argue um, with that logic,
1: <laughs> like a like a Bowser. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, I remember being in in grade school and uh, doing. I think my earliest example of trolling somebody, <laughs> where I insisted that somebody's name that his name was Browser, <laughs> and I remember making one of my the neighbors in my neighborhood just fucking livid, <laughs> just so <laughs> mad. He was like, "You're gonna come over right now, and we're gonna get to the top of the castle. And you're gonna see that his name." <laughs> Of course, this was pre-internet, so, like, he couldn't just pull out his fucking iPhone and show me. That's (laughs) where the
0: internet got its name
1: from. You had to beat the game to prove him wrong. (laughs) (laughs) And then then it was like, (laughs) like, oh, I actually got the Japanese version that has the original language. Yours says Bowser, mine says Browser. It's the original (laughs) one. Okay, I got uh, one more question for you. Okay. And uh, what was your radio nickname? The lead character in this movie's name was Stretch. Uh, that was her nickname what was your uh your radio nickname i thought
0: that was her christian name uh, based on saint stretch of arimathea <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah she, stretch is a nice good christian name yeah, yeah. Uh, she uh, the the saint he, he had tried to reach for the holy grail and just couldn't couldn't quite get it hey aaron do you want to answer the fucking question or <laughs> am i gonna have to dump you <laughs> Yeah, uh, hold on uh getting some feedback turn the radio down um <laughs> No, I I did not have a nickname. I actually didn't have a nickname until uh, recently um, when I met my wife, uh, who is the first person in my entire life who ever called me by a nickname. Air Bear. Yep, that is exactly right. (laughs) Is it really? Is it? (laughs) Yeah, I was about to not share it um but zach <laughs> zach apparently has been hanging out in my closet uh <laughs> to listening to my conversations yeah.
1: among other things okay oh that's perfect i love that that's on tape that's great yeah um yeah well uh thank you very much air bear that's uh just lovely uh, the podcast is over our, uh,
2: uh,
1: podcast is over we're at hey aaron you want to talk about the movie texas chainsaw massacre 2 i do a man or a poet friend I know just how you'll taste Your limbs go sliding Down my throat And never go to waste Your death of ghosts Will sadden me Until I drop your essence I know your life is not um, Sweet, so my five second recap Is Leatherface falls in love Leatherface falls out of love
0: That's great That's also like the, the human story
2: Yeah Yeah
1: <laughs> it, it gets past the chainsaws and the, the murder traps, yeah. and this movie is like if uh, it, it's like a remake
0: of Bride of Frankenstein by a psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: um... <laughs> it is a, it's a strange movie that like for like the, the concept of coming back and saying this horrible inhuman monster that we last saw just like whipping a chainsaw around on the on a high, on a highway. He's going to fall in love in this movie. The thought behind that is so ridiculous that I don't know how people didn't know this was a comedy immediately. Like people <laughs> were confused as shit by this movie. Yeah, it okay. sounds like from reviews. Yeah,
0: so let's let's get to that cuz that's actually kind of what I want to start but I'll do, I'll do the 90 second recap. So essentially um the, uh, the events of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre were 13 years ago. Uh, no one was ever caught. One of the fathers is played by Dennis Hopper. He is still searching, convinced all through Texas that there's this roving gang of chainsaw murderers. Uh, the police the police do not care at all. They don't think that's an interesting uh, thought or idea, regardless of all the apparently people that keep getting killed by chainsaw murderers. So, essentially, so there's these two asshole 80s kids, like like straight out of an 80s movie, driving... <laughs> um, they cut off a car. They get killed by the chainsaw people. While they're talking to a radio DJ, uh, whose name is Stretch, and she hears the chainsaw murder, she kind of teams up with Dennis Hopper and is like, hey, think there's chainsaw murders going around? I have this tape to prove it. Uh, so they concoct this plan after some back and forth to play the tape again on the radio to really blow the lid off it, man. Leatherface and uh, another one of his brothers, who's played by Bill Moseley, uh, who's from Devil's Rejects? They come and kind of torture her at the radio station. She escapes. Uh, she falls into their dungeon, lair, giant Tim Burtony funhouse, I guess. Um, Dennis Hopper also buys a bunch of chainsaws because the only way to kill a chainsaw murderer is with your own chainsaws. Um, <laughs> and then they they all kind of coalesce in the last forty minutes of like crazy Leatherface is helping um, Stretch. And it's just kind of... While well, Dennis Hopper is like over 30 minutes just like ramming his chainsaw into everything until he finally finds people. And then at the end, Leatherface gets killed by Dennis Hopper. Uh, Bill Moseley's character uh, gets killed by Stretch. And then Stretch uh, excitedly does the same kind of chainsaw waving that Leatherface did after the first one. And it's essentially... Uh, if, if If the first movie was basically toby hooper uh essentially creating the 70s aesthetic for horror movies if the first texas chainsaw massacre was toby hooper essentially creating the aesthetic for 70s horror movies this is him mocking the 80s aesthetic for horror movies
1: yeah it doesn't feel like it's made by the same director at all that was a great job aaron it doesn't feel like it was made by the same director at all because of how effectively toby hooper inversed uh, the aesthetics of the first movie and the, the, just the language of the first movie, yeah. Uh, so uh, it's it's pretty conventional in some ways. Like just the way it's shot, it feels more conventional than Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which feels like an indie horror movie. This feels like an '80s horror movie, '80s horror comedy.
0: Well, I think part of the reason that Texas Chainsaw Massacre feels that way is that Toby Hooper, in a lot of ways, really like invented that template that so many other movies uh, use. So. Uh, and it's like
1: it, an experimental movie in retrospect. Yeah, so and, like, and
0: this one is him working off of and, and kind of lovingly parroting like someone else's template, essentially. Um, some ways, the canon movie template. But let, yeah, let's let's just jump right into so so one. Just kind of housekeeping note: this is our first ever uh, second director movie. We our our third episode was a Toby Hooper movie, the lovingly insane uh, life force. Uh, also canon movie and now we're right back into the canon swing of things uh. with another one
1: i'm glad you caught that because i was like I, I forgot that it was a canon movie which is just basically means i wasn't thinking about it because once you start watching you're like oh this is definitely a canon movie <laughs> um apparently uh Golan and globus fucking hated this movie when they huh. were handed it um which is funny to me because Golan and globus uh uh, don't strike me as particularly discerning for, uh,
0: yeah, that's legitimately, I, I hadn't read that and that's actually surprising to me just because it feels like if they were handed this
1: movie, they would have been like, Oh, of course. Yep. Yeah, this is, this is one of our movies. <laughs> you know, I think it is, is they paid good money to bring back the old director and then, and then he gave them a comedy instead of Whatever. Yeah, so... Because, like, I think... Yeah, I think a lot of the movie could be read as, like... It could have been shot with the same script, not as a comedy. Like, Motel Hell could never be shot with the current script as a serious horror movie. Yeah. It's just too funny, and it voids... Too many of the, the, the segments are there for pure comedy. This is just funny because of the way Toby Hooper decided to, to tweak it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and I'll, and I'll, I'll add that, like, while it is really funny, it works as a horror movie... Like, it isn't like, like some horror comedies, they're comedies that use the horror movie template to make jokes, and they're not scary at all. This is a pretty good scary movie, I'd say, in a lot of ways.
0: I feel like that's the tagline for 80s horror in general, which is, Yeah. yeah, it's kind of funny, but it still can be scary. Like, yeah. If you did twist my arm and say, what, pick a genre, pick a decade, I'm, I'm probably going to say 80s horror just because it was so unique. It did kind of have a lot of goofy sensibility and over-the-top sensibility while still being, um, you know, very scary. Evil Dead 2 is kind of the perfect example of 80s horror. Or even like a Nightmare on Elm Street movie because, it, you know, they're very humorous. They're very over-the-top. They're, they have a, a slight coat of cheese on them, but can still be very scary and effective as horror movies.
1: Yeah, like uh, Return of the Living Dead, I think, and Evil Dead 2 kind of go head-to-head as the platonic ideal for what a a horror comedy is, because... You can't just watch it when you're in a mood for a comedy, because it can actually yeah. creep you out. Cause like Return of the Living Dead is actually legitimately disturbing and Evil Dead 2 is, is fucking approaching... relentless. Like it is yes, relentless. Yes.
0: I forgot about that this it's year. Per- well, I'm not I'm not trying to derail you, but like that movie is like a goofy comedy. It is that, but it is also like 90 minutes of just intensity poured onto the screen. <laughs> so you're not you're almost exhausted by the end of it, and it does not have that long of a runtime.
1: Yeah, the, the I think that the the sort of intensity of Evil Dead Two, the sort of intensity can even pl- either play into if you want a Looney Tunes movie, or it can play into the like sort of uh, this is a horror movie. We're not going to let you have a breath of of air this whole time. This movie uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two is. Seems to be not just making fun of the 80s aesthetic, but like taking the wind out of the previous movie, basically turning the original characters into cartoon characters. Like the scene where Chop Top calls Leatherface Leatherface is like the movie basically saying, like, oh, these are not this is this basically could have been animated. Like this is a cartoon version (laughs) of of this this universe. This is you shouldn't take this as sort of grungy uh, grounded gritty like greasy world that the first one was wherever you could feel the texture of it the, the movie made you feel greasy when it was over yeah this one is just like a, a goofball fun comedy that can be really creepy also it veers more into camp outright camp than i think a lot of horror comedies do i'll say this for the last thing you said the original is like so
2: tactile like one of the most Tactile movies. Period. I've ever seen. Like where you feel that heat, you feel that griminess. Like of the Hooper movies I've seen, which is this, the original and Life Force. So it's only those three. Oh no, Poltergeist too. All of his movies have that kind of tactile quality to them, and in this one, it manifests itself in like all these just weird, oddball details. Some of them having nothing to do with necessarily the horror. There's as much of them that are just Texas things. Because I used to live in Oklahoma, which is very close to Texas and very similar to Texas. And I've been to Texas a lot. Like, there's just so many of those little weird details that, like, they might seem, I guess, more like kooky, quirky things to a person who's never spent much time in Texas. But when you've been there, you're like, oh, that's Texas. This is what (laughs) – this is Texas. Like – like when when Dennis Hopper goes into the chainsaw store that entire encounter is so like even though it's like this bizarre like bonkers over the top he's trying out chainsaws it's it's like a it's like a goofball version of the scene in the good the bad and the ugly when Tuco's try, making his own gun Mhm. It's it's like that except for like I've I swear I've been in an encounter where I wasn't trying out chainsaws but like with almost the same kind of like store atmosphere, it's kind of disheveled and dirty, but they have a lot of stuff. There's chips hanging for some reason. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. They're selling <laughs> random stuff that has nothing to do with their business. The guy is not commun- is, is just doing something else when you come in, and then catches up with you. Like everything about it, like it's so true to life in that part of the country. Like and and the, I, mean, I could go on and on, but like like that sense of detail is what is what really makes this like work because like i i have a very low tolerance for camp honestly like i watch a lot of movies that probably would be called that whenever i see a movie with like it's where camp seems to be the point i get kind of turned off right away but like this i feel like there's it's something else some other vibe that's going on and i think it's because it really is despite being this over-the-top movie where people are getting skinned on screen and there's a guy with a metal plate in his head that itches it with a burning with a hot coat hanger. Like it still is a movie that feels in all these other little ways like a real grounded in some in you know this kind of just slightly heightened version of Texas. So I should actually
0: say that that the the one you just use the uh, scratching their head repeatedly with a <laughs> with a heated coat hanger is an example of like, a comedy aspect of this, and I actually think that's one of the creepier scenes in the movie. Oh, it is just yeah. because it keeps going on and on and on, and he's never stopping. Yeah, and of course you don't know you don't know that he has a he has a metal plate. But before we get too far, I want to circle back to to <laughs> the fact that this is a sequel yeah. to Texas Chainsaw Massacre because Peter, you kind of alluded to it, Zach. You were talking about it a little bit how different or how same or how um, much the same it is from the first one. I want to say that like. I am not surprised that when people saw this movie, uh, they fucking hated it. <laughs> oh, no. Like, that, that, that in no way is a shock to me. Like, I... I mean, I don't know what the version of the internet was in 19-whenever, um, where they were like, oh, Toby Hooper's coming back to direct 13 years later, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre sequel, and they got this. Like, I would probably be furious if I was, like, a huge Texas Chainsaw Massacre fan in, in in 1986 and saw this in theaters. And I don't necessarily think that that's the fault of any moviegoers that felt that at the time. Like, what what this reminds me of is, is like, this is, like, the platonic idea of a movie that needs to be rediscovered once you have some distance from it, if yeah. you saw it when it originally came out. It's like that thing where, like, you think you're drinking water, and then you accidentally grab a sprite and for a second you're like you're like, this is the worst thing I've ever tasted in my life. What what garbage is this? Because your brain is like expecting the water taste and it gets a sprite taste. And it, it might as well be like someone gave you like hot lava for how your brain reacts <laughs> to it. And then you take a step back, you realize what you're drinking, you sip it again, and you're like, oh, this is this is something I recognize, this is something I know. Like obviously myself seeing it for the first time, and I absolutely loved it. Uh but seeing it for the first time, I knew that it was a canon movie. I knew it was a comedy. I had seen clips from it in various documentaries. Like I was super prepared for the style of movie that I was getting. Yeah. But if Dude. I had saw if I had seen this when I came out as a fan of the original, I can see that my first uh my first inclination towards this movie would be like, what the fuck was that? <laughs>
1: Yeah, so it has a text intro, sort of like Devil's Rejects, and sort of like the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I think it might be the same voice as the first movie, where it's like. In the summer of 19. It sounds like Jack Webb. Hold on, Peter. You kind of does, too.
0: Peter, were you the voice? (laughs) Peter is Jack Webb. Oh, that explains so much of those Jack
1: Webb pictures he's
0: been sending me yeah.
1: maybe sign one I like, the, I like the idea that I'm an immortal and uh, and I haven't gotten any smarter than the current age that I, I still am at I was just going to say you're using your powers to start a podcast <laughs> podcast about movies that I pretend like I had nothing to do with yeah. uh, just like what Connor McCloud would have done <laughs> i don't know we should do an episode on this uh 1975 uh porno movie called Jack Peter's Peter. Gets tangled up. <laughs> but yeah there's the voice it's like in the summer of 1973 and then they start going into the details and you're like that's the last time that the movie expects you to take it seriously and it's it's basically not a fuck you but a <laughs> It's sort, of t- it's sort of cheesing on the audience because it immediately jumped to the most obnoxious 80s college assholes you could imagine. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, please get murdered by chainsaws immediately. Because at least in the first movie, like they were kind of whiny, but like you didn't want them to get murdered. No. In this movie, you're like, oh my god, please, please, <laughs> be the first kill. <laughs> I feel like the, the, even the opening text slash
2: narration, even then it's not really expected to be taken seriously because – the voice sounds like like Lieutenant Bookman from that episode of Seinfeld. Like even the the cadence of the way he says things. It's like kind of quick and clipped and just I don't know, something maybe it's that I know it's like already kind of going to be goofy. But it, yeah, to I, me it it just seems like just slightly off enough to be like, "All right, this is goofy. This is no, something I, is up here."
0: I think Peter's right. I think it is the same voice and it's definitely the same inflection yeah. if if not if not Texas Chainsaw Massacre, than other movies like that. I think I've definitely like heard this voice. Um, I mean, it, it's goofy in retrospect. I feel like, but yeah, it, I don't that think, might be the case. I, I don't. I don't think it's intended to be goofy at the time. And and I actually want to like uh, talk about something that you just mentioned, Peter. Like, I actually think this movie does have an axe to grind with. If not, if not the tech, the movie itself, but the fans of the original movie like you you call this a fuck you? Like this movie oh, yeah. feels like a fuck you and not like <laughs> and not like a jovial one like where he's like not like a Joe Dante Gremlins 2 like yeah. well this was a ridiculous concept let's take the piss out of it in the sequel this feels like someone who fucking is purposely <laughs> trying to give the middle finger to fans of the original which first of all I can imagine that 13 years later you this is probably still the thing that you're known for yeah. Um, people probably are talking to about all the time. Why can't you make a movie as good as this? And again, I, I I have no evidence of this, but everything about this movie feels like he wanted to make a certain type of movie that was parroting horror movies, but also like it feels like there's a darker edge underneath the surface where he is purposely going out of his way to piss off fans of the original.
2: Oh yeah, I have, I have a I have a theory. I okay, so the see the movie opens with those two uh like college douchebags just like driving around shooting those signs which if i'm not mistaken those signs end up being signs for what the Sawyer family hangout because they live in a place that's like a rundown uh amusement park it was like Texas battlegrounds and all those signs are for like famous Texas battles mm-hmm. so i'm almost certain and it's really
1: not like emphasized if that's the case But I think those signs are supposed to be ads for where the Sawyer family lives. This might be touching on stuff from uh, Deliverance as well as, uh, not Motel Hell, but like a lot of horror movies where one small sort of uh, stumble early on, like one bit of rudeness when you're dealing with the rednecks early on leads you down a path irrevocably towards (laughs) getting murdered by the rednecks. So I could totally see that as being like, not only did they try and play chicken with this car that wanted nothing to do with them, but yeah, <laughs> like they were shooting at the sign for their home. like the Sawyers probably just wanted them to be taken out of the picture. Oh, if, that, yeah. if that's true. But I, I, I didn't catch that though. That, if that's true, that's a good catch.
2: But I, I was going to say, what, that's just like even an aside to the main thought, which is that, like all those battlegrounds, Texans are really proud of that stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, And I almost think of it as, like, this kind of, like, subtextual thing. Like, he's like, oh, you guys love the first movie? Well, this movie has no respect for that movie. Like, (laughs) just like these guys have (laughs) literally no respect for, like, all these famous Texas battlegrounds that they're so proud of. He's like, this movie is like that. This movie has no respect for this movie that you love and that this is a sequel to. This is just, like, screw you guys. Here's, like, this new bizarre thing that's going to completely take the piss out of it, like you said, and not take it remotely seriously.
0: Yeah, and it doesn't, but I'll I'll underline, it does not feel like it is coming from a place of love. It feels like it's coming (laughs) from someone who's had to answer the same questions about the original for 13 years and is fucking done with it. And, And I think it's a wonderful movie. But that's, that's what it feels... That's what it exudes yeah. off the, the screen. It exudes, like, someone hatred. And I'm actually going to disagree a little bit with something that you guys said, where that uh, that immediately you're supposed to know after the text crawl, because you see these um, quintessential 80s douchebags, um, that you're supposed to realize what the tone of the movie is. I think you can get a little bit of that from the shooting. But I actually think that makes a really good um, bookend with the original. Where you kind of had the '70s hippies in the vans, and yeah. um, they're 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 less of a big stereotype, but like that is still like the '70s aesthetic. It's long hair, it's those kind of like tight shirts, it's the bell-bottom jeans. They're yeah. all traveling by van, and like they were quintessential '70s teenagers. And then this one opens with kind of the movie version of quintessential '80s teenagers. They have the dumb clothes, they have the, you know, the bleach blonde hair, they got their giant cell phones, you know, they're kind of being they're just like yuppies in the making type thing. So so I, I think that you could be fooled a little bit longer. It is much more over the top, but that's it it, it I could I could see someone watching this and going, Oh, okay, they're doing if if the first one had these um uh archetype 70s characters. Now they're doing, uh, you know, archetype 80s characters. Yeah, that makes sense. Peter, what do you think? Do you think do you think Toby (laughs) Hooper was pissed about Texas Chainsaw Massacre or its fans when he made this?
1: The way that I read it is that he saw an opportunity to come back, and his career had sort of stumbled. Like he got to do Life Force, um, which is great for him. Like that's the biggest budgeted movie he would ever do, and that was basically a dream movie for him, right? I mean, it would have been a dream if it had done well in the box office. But in terms of production, it sounds like it was a dream movie. He got a huge budget and then Golden Globus gave him more money to keep running with it. And then it sounds like he had com- an opportunity to come back. And I have a hard time telling if he's just clowning or not. I get the sense that he just legitimately didn't want to give people what they had already had. Yeah. That He he moved on from that stage of his career that he thought that maybe people weren't taking the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre that seriously as like what it was and more like just wanted to turn it into a slasher movie. And then in the 80s, they come back to him and they're like, we want you to make an 80s slasher version of this movie. And he's like, I'll give you I'll give you exactly what you want. <laughs> it sounds like from the, the script level that the movie was going to be uh way bloodier in the original version yeah. there's gonna be a lot more hunting of people uh, there's gonna be basically a whole town of sawyers <laughs> yeah that instead it's it's sort of not quite a road movie but the sawyers are on the road the fact that the movie doesn't have any extended sequences as is the movie doesn't have any extended sequences of slashing and killing and stuff just makes me think to like he had no intention giving them what they wanted yeah and like I, he was like i'll give you a version of what you wanted and yeah. it's not gonna be so to go back to make you happy to, yeah so to go back to something that
0: you said though like the reason that i th- that i think it is more anger i'm just gonna use one last example is is to use the to use the example that you said about him like oh um he's gonna call him Leatherface. he doesn't just call him Leatherface once at the <laughs> radio station when he first he it's like it's all it's the only word that appears on screen for the next five minutes and he just keeps saying leatherface 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 and then later on in the movie they call him by his real name which i think is gus um i didn't even notice
2: that and i've seen <laughs> the movie like three times
0: yeah they, they start calling him gus um later on in the movie but that's the first appearance of leatherface and chop top just says it leatherface what are you doing leatherface get in there he says it so many times <laughs> that it doesn't feel like a goof on leatherface it feels like fuck you guys, I'm gonna ruin this word for you like it's that thing of just repeating something over and over so I guess that that would be an example of why it feels like this movie is coming from a place of anger and aggression towards the original more than i'm gonna laugh about uh this and make kind of a goof on the first one so oh so i can see that
1: maybe because they uh they also keep having uh bill mosley's character chop top is such a fucking weirdo yeah and they keep (laughs) having him repeat stuff that would be like uh, a catchphrase like he keeps saying vietnam flashback and incoming mail like you keep saying stuff <laughs> like that, that would be a catchphrase. It, it's it's like the movie's almost making fun of catchphrases. Can we talk and Music to... is my life. And he's Can also we... the big bad. Like yeah. Leatherface yeah. gets gets uh, taken care of so
0: quickly, um, comparatively, and then he's the main one. Like they they don't even give you like a confirmation with uh, Leatherface. Leatherface dies by Dennis Hopper, who is only like a half presence in the back half of this movie. Yeah. He just keeps just just trying to find his way. <laughs> to the to the family and and then he's
2: dead and they never even go back to him like how amazing bill mosley is in this movie and i've seen him in only two movies this and the last week's movie which i re- yeah you guys gave me a choice i don't know if i can say that between this and the devil's rejects and <laughs> i gave, really had a hard a choice time. drawing and quartering or the chair yeah And I really had a hard time choosing, and I went with this one. But like Bill Mosley in both these roles, is incredible because in this, just the slightest difference in how he acts it. If someone, I could see most people, even really good actors, this would be like a joke. Like you would laugh at it, even at it, not with it, but at it. Like and think this is horrible. But he makes it so creepy. Like he is, he's he's terrifying. (laughs) Like like the kind of person if you met them you would be so uncomfortable that you would like literally be terrified for your life. And, and even with all the, like the over the top stuff, he still makes through all that.
1: Like, Makes it just a terrifying kind of creep. Okay, so I think I'm going to probably break from you two here a little bit in that I'm not crazy about Bill Mosley in this. Um, He called. I'm also breaking from Bill Mosley because he called this his favorite performance he ever gave, and Dennis Hopper Um, called it
0: uh, the worst movie he's ever been in. That's
1: which is insane. (laughs) That is just wrong. (laughs) The the TV show Crash is worse than anything that that's in this movie. Um, but the I, there's something about the bill mosley character that doesn't i don't love and i think it's because it's like so ungrounded i don't know the movie's camp so like it's hard to call any call anything out for being ungrounded <laughs> but like you're saying that a man who scratches his metal plate
2: with a heated clothes hanger is ungrounded peter the,
1: the line <laughs> the line between the line between like uh, like <laughs> spectacular weirdness and bad weirdness is so razor thin that like I'm having the hardest time describing why it doesn't work for me because yeah. <laughs> I love Bill Mosley like there's nothing to do with Bill Mosley which by the way we should mention Bill Mosley was it uh, Otis in Devil's Rejects yeah. so this this month ties together in a lot of ways there's something about the chop top character that just doesn't do it for me I have a, one of my note is 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 bill good in this big question mark yeah so
0: um, I, i'm actually going to come in right in between both of you in that i don't think he's very good in this um and i <laughs> but but i think it works i mean i think that he's good in the sense that he is he's is playing exactly the character that he's supposed to be playing which i i think is aggressively annoying um but yeah but i think he's supposed to be aggressively annoying again yeah. you know so i I, I do want we didn't really talk too much about any kind of personal history with this movie and that's fine. but uh, this is Zach and Peters uh, they've seen this movie more than once. Uh, this is my first time seeing it and and, and I kind of really gravitate towards this movie as a a movie that I've never seen before, which is a sequel that is there to entertain, be amusing, is really good on like just a general <laughs> 80s horror movie level. But it's also met as the biggest middle finger to fans of one of my favorite horror movies of all time. Now I have a lot of distance from all this, so it, it didn't. It, I think I think the idea of someone making a movie in anger is amusing to me, especially <laughs> when I picture Toby Hooper's face uh, directing in anger because I, I mean, he definitely he always kind of looks angry. But anyways, oh, yeah. that's a that's <laughs> kind of an aside. Um, so I I, I kind of took Chop Top as as. Like like when I said that he said Leatherface so many times, it kind of became like the Simpsons rape gag for me. Like at oh, first yeah. it was <laughs> at first it was oh you're saying Leatherface, um, and then it was like fucking stop saying Leatherface. Like why are you <laughs> saying it? And then it was like oh, I get what's going on here. Yeah, this is supposed to infuriate and and do this weird thing with this movie. And and at that point like he he's very aggressively annoying. But it fit with, I think, the tone of the whole movie for me at that point.
2: Yeah, like I'll I'll clarify one thing. I I, I probably could have been more clear. He he is he's crazy annoying. <laughs> like like uh, okay maybe we're all on the same page. Yeah, so. like <laughs> oh yeah no he's like I like he is super annoying. But I think that's what I like about it is that like I think if this were, if he were the main villain, like, and by that I mean like the only villain in any movie, or like. If there was like some main villain and he's a henchman. I don't know if I would enjoy it but because of the weird dynamic of the Sawyer clan I think it it fits in there just perfectly because Leatherface in this movie is like this puppy dog who has been raised with this psychotic family and so he he's got a psychotic mindset but he's also real innocent and then like Drayton is like a good old boy but if he were you know eight people (laughs) and like i think those three have this amazing like it is like a comedy version of the of the dynamic of the family from the first one which mosley is the only one and of course gunner is not didn't return but like of people like mosley wasn't in the first one i'm pretty sure right and i don't even remember i don't even i can't even picture whoever played the kind of other member of the family in that one, so but, the person who the hitchhiker from the
0: beginning, yeah, uh, who's part of the clan, that is supposed to be uh, according to uh, research and science that I did, yeah, that's supposed to be uh, Chop Top's uh, twin brother.
2: Oh, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did not know that. I, I assumed it was supposed to be him. No. Nope. Okay. Well, <laughs> well, that's something. Um, but yeah, like that's they have a noteworthy. <laughs> oh, there you go. They have Again, such a <laughs> research. It feels like a giant oh. middle finger oh, of the
0: yeah. movie, which which is which was probably <laughs> infuriating in 1986, <laughs> but is sort of amazing in 2016. Oh, yeah. Like 30, 30 years later, the idea that this director made a sequel <laughs> and just like you know, I kind of picture like Jason Statham at the end of Crank Two, just flipping off everyone while he burns,
1: like. <laughs>
2: that's what this movie feels like to me yeah. and I fucking love it for it I, I, I'll I go into my history just briefly with the series I, I had never seen like so I didn't watch horror movies until I was like 22 and cause I wasn't allowed to watch them as a kid and I wasn't really interested in them because of that Like like I was like one of those kids who was sheltered and like my excuse for <laughs> yeah, that, that had the opposite effect i mean i wasn't supposed to be watching them and so i only wanted to watch them well my my <laughs> so my excuse when my friends would talk about stuff that i wasn't allowed to watch was like oh i don't even want to watch that <laughs> so like <laughs> so so then like when i was like in college i'm like getting I'm, I'm really into movies and i'm like i need to start checking out more stuff so i like i need to get into horror movies finally and when i do like they don't they don't scare me even a little bit so like i'm never really able to find horror movies that scare me and so i kind of gave up on the genre for a few years after i actually finally got into it then when i started to kind of appreciate that they could do things other than actually make me scared i i I went and watched a bunch you know a bunch of like the staples like the nightmare on elm street and the first a couple friday the 13th movies and i watched so then i get the texas chainsaw massacre and i actually this is a that's a movie that like one of like the three movies i actually find scary like it 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 unnerves me in a way beyond just the act of watching it and so like i knew knowing that this sequel was out there I and it was still the same director I looked for it but it didn't really disappoint me in any way that it wasn't like scary like that because I just am used to that and I and I find what's here is so much more interesting than if they just tried to replicate the original because you probably couldn't I mean I don't I don't think anyone ever could
0: except uh, Rob Zombie in last week's movie The Devil's well, yeah. Rejects <laughs> even that's a kind of a
2: different it is yeah it, I know uh, yeah I don't know. I mean, it's a movie I, I would, like both movies, i say five stars. Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Devil's Rejects. Something about Devil's Rejects works on a very different level for me, though. I don't know.
1: Yeah, you know what's funny is that uh, with singular horror movies, a, an algorithm, a Netflix algorithm or, you know, a robot could find movies that have all the exact same elements but the way that it's executed is yeah. so different that it just doesn't match up. I think the shining is the same thing yeah. where the shining has on paper the exact same elements as like a hundred different haunted house stories. yeah. Um, there's nothing on paper just like a you know, summarizing the movie and, and pulling out just like big broad elements of it. There's nothing about it that really makes it uh, unique. It's the mesmerizing way that it comes together. Yeah. Texas Chancellor the Massacre is the same thing. And it's actually part of the reason that we tiptoed around doing it this month and decided not to is we're going to save it for a later month because yeah. it's like, how do we talk about one of the most seminal <laughs> horror movies of all time? One of the most unique horror movies of yeah. all time. I don't really know what to compare it to in terms of the genre. Because, like, they're they're imitators, but nothing comes close to the sort of It's it's kind of what we talked about at the
0: beginning. Like, it it
2: created the template, I think, for 70s horror movies in general. But even then, like, I've seen some imitators. I don't even think the people who tried to imitate it knew at all what made it special or what made it work, because none of them even come close to feeling anything like it. Like... I'm trying to think of the one that's bi- – well, even like Hooper, like uh, I started to watch The Fun House one time. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen that it, one. It, it, it wasn't working for me because it felt kind of like, like an imitation of that kind of grimy, like backwoods horror movie. And it just felt like the notes are the same, but like it's not being played right.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the whole ineffable thing about, like, when a movie is that perfect. Yeah. That, I mean, I think you could say that about any movie that was like, oh, someone made an amazing movie and then never yeah. was able to live up to it. I mean, there's there's countless examples, and I'm sure we're going to be talking about a bunch on this show. You know, there's, there's so many things that have to come together from scripting, and it's rare. Like, there's just not that many movies... I mean, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I think, you make a top... You you go to any top 100 horror movie list, top 50, whatever. I mean, you're going to find that somewhere in the top 10 across anywhere. Like, you know, those those movies like The Shining, like some of these other ones that are just like... Everybody knows about them. Everyone's aware of them. they They just don't happen that often. So even the same director working with, you know it's 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 the George Lucas Star Wars thing like he made Star Wars but then more money and less limitations and more freedom uh made him make much much worse movies like it's <laughs> you know there's yeah. so many things that have to come together and again he doesn't have the score he doesn't have the special effects house that's able to figure out all that stuff you know it's 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 just it's it's that perfect formula for movies where of course even the even the same directors can yeah uh, can't can't replicate so
1: um, yeah, the the movie that Toby Hooper really tried to replicate it with was, and I've only, I watched half of it because I didn't like it that much. Like I was 15 years old and I try, and I watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre. If you're gonna say eaten alive, that, I just ordered the uh, Blu-ray from Arrow. <laughs> so. Yeah, it was eaten alive, which also I might I, it, that was a decade ago, so I might actually like it now for different reasons. I think a Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 situation might have happened as well, where it didn't match up to the heights of uh, what I just watched, so it just felt terrible. Yeah, um, everything is relative um, in that sense. So, um, so actually, but though, yeah, Eden alive. Eden alive is is a, is a movie that he tried to replicate the same formula, and even he, as a filmmaker, <laughs> couldn't. So I think you're you're spot on with that, Aaron. So I want to I want to actually before we move
0: off of Toby Hooper. Uh, and, and what his intention was with this movie and start getting into some actual scenes um, I'm going to debate his reason so so Toby Hooper I, and again I don't know if he's fucking around when, he, when this has been his answer but when people have complained about Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 and his tone he has basically told them that he thinks the first one is a dark comedy and that this is a natural extension of the tone that he established in the first one I and I would he agree he's not that. I, like I don't I don't know if he actually thinks that or not but <laughs> you know we've we've talked about not really giving a shit about authorial intent like <laughs> yeah I could not imagine a more wrong statement really <laughs> I, I guess, like, I mean, I guess I, I imagine more wrong statements. I have a great <laughs> imagination. I'm very capable of imagining things that are more
1: wrong. But I, I mean, I don't I, think anything about the first one is funny. I guess, let I alone would...
0: that it was a it was a dark comedy, and that even if you buy that that was a dark comedy, that this sequel is a natural extension <laughs> of that movie. Yeah, but that I, I don't I, buy. <laughs> and again, I have no idea if he meant that to be an asshole to kind of go into what I believe is his whole. Tone in making this movie, or I don't know if he really believes that, but that's what he said, and he's never uh, indicated that he was joking. So, I,
2: I, uh, I, I think he's wrong. The dark comedy part, I would, I would be, I could see it. I wouldn't have necessarily thought it on my own, but I definitely do think this. <laughs> maybe it's because I, I'm, I have a kind of a sick sense of humor. I'll admit that. Um, but like, I do. I mean, like. To, I don't know. Maybe it's I mean, only I, thinking I, about it in retrospect. Dr- but... Yeah, I think I think it's
0: dark <laughs> comedy in the way that, like, if you if you say to anyone like, "Oh, this movie's a dark comedy," and go, "Yeah," like you can call Silence of the Lambs, <laughs> you can call whatever the fuck you want a dark comedy, and you can go, "Yeah, I guess the idea of people killing each other <laughs> is darkly con- like." with a mask well, on but but I don't I don't think there's anything in that movie okay, that is I, that is a fucking
2: dark comedy. I'll I'll say this. The the dinner scene in the first one is probably the most like probably the most terrifying scene in the movie. I Oh yeah. It's pretty funny though.
0: Yeah, it's funny when you think about it, but it's definitely not supposed to be funny in no. the moment. Like oh, get when, nervous, you, when you when you nervous pull, laughter. Yeah, when <laughs> When you start pulling apart the pieces for anything that's scary, like yeah. that's how you get dark comedy. But there's like no seam showing in no. the moment.
1: Yeah, it's certainly not like a wink, wink, dark. If anything, so like I mean, I guess yeah. In an abstract sense, anything could be funny. I was thinking about uh, I'm, I'm calling it uh, the Dick Howran moment <laughs> at Cemetery, the book. Uh, I don't know if the movie matches up. I forget. Uh, a character travels a very long way to save the family, just like Dick Halloran in um, The Shining. And the moment that they arrive, they are promptly murdered. <laughs> that is viewed, in, viewed like abstractly. That's fucking hilarious. Like the idea that someone like did planes, but... <laughs> trains, and automobiles just to get murdered is so funny. But like in the moment, you're like, no, I don't want Dick Halloran okay. to get a. Fucking axe through his body. I, I love, like, totally I, laugh at that scene every time I watch The Shining. And it's <laughs> in, in it, Scamic brother's it, face. It's just like even he's like,
0: "Oh fuck you!" But it's, <laughs> but it's <laughs> it, it definitely <laughs> funny conceptually. But it's it's not. Su- so that's what I'm saying. Like, I think you can make yeah. the argument that that is funny conceptually. Peter, you're 100% right. And also, I don't know why you didn't just use The Shining to begin with. I don't know what all that uh, – we're not hosting We Love to Read. Um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's it's, a, it's a sort of a trope that I'm trying to build. The no, idea that someone travels thousands of miles and then just – or hundreds of miles and then just arrives to be promptly executed. Is, yeah, the which, Im, the which implicit is, title it, of this podcast is We Hate to Read.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. Is that
0: not coming across to listeners? Then? Because I want to be very clear. Like, I, uh, um, I've turned off the heat in my house, and I just use burning books to keep me warm while we record. I've bought um, books simply so I can burn them. Yeah, and it's and it's it's summer. There's no reason for me to need heat. Um, I, I burn I
1: burn books, and I know Faulkner burns the best.
0: <laughs> I'll have to try that. I haven't. I don't have any Faulkner. <laughs> um, next, next, next recording. We'll let, I'll let you know how that burns. But yeah, it does. It does feel like 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 you said when you describe that scene. Like, and that's why I think the Simpsons episode, The Shining, uh, plays with that so well. But in the, but there's nothing about the scene that's designed to be, I think, darkly funny originally, as originally conceived. I mean, Kubrick was a bit of had a bit of a dark sense of humor, but it still is. It's supposed to. It's supposed to take away all hope from the audience in the moment. Yeah. So, regardless of what you talk... But, of course, like, hey, look, there's this family of rednecks. And they're all gathered around the dinner table like normal people. But they're wearing people. And they're eating people. And, like, when you describe that, it's funny. But there's nothing about the scene that I think you could make the argument for is... In the moment, supposed to be darkly comic. So... Yeah.
1: Aaron, are we, are we, do we think it's scarier because we, in our heart, we're trying to come up with lessons from the, the month of Redneck Horror. Do we, in our heart, truly believe that uh, all Southerners are this ridiculous and will eat you if you uh, violate their social norms? Of the, is it more believable so it's more scary? Um, I'm not sure what you said, but I'll just agree that su- <laughs> Southerners
0: are scary.
1: Yeah, I wonder if Zach thinks it's a little funnier because Zach has spent time in the South I, I, and, and can and see it as being people. kind of absurd. Yeah. Absurd. I've actually,
2: I mean, I've I've eaten people. Yeah. Well, I do think I, I just kind of thought about that. Like, <laughs> maybe it's funnier to me because I've been to Texas <laughs> so many times. Like, <laughs> Texas is a, is a crazy. It's it's awesome. I I love Texas. Don't get me wrong, but it's a crazy place. Like, I just watched. Yeah, I read,
0: I read the news.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I live in Florida, and I'm saying Texas is a crazy Yuck. place. So, get, so that should mean something. But uh, like, I just, and I'll, I'm going to give a recommendation to another movie that's not related to this at all, but it tangentially does proves my point. Uh, is that movie that's out now, Hell or High Water, and the the greatest thing about this movie, about that movie, and I think about both. about Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 by extension is both of them like find all this weird like local color for lack of a better term and I hate the term but that's what it is is like there's just you could probably if you stop anywhere in Texas in like these dinky little like one street towns where it's all on the main strip and then just trailers kind of extending outwards like you will find the most interesting people and like the guy who plays Drayton Sawyer is exactly like those people you you will meet people that look act talk exactly like him and so the idea of like that guy like in the situation of like a, a cannibal dinner i think i think that that's funnier to me because i've met that guy if that makes sense like i've i've, I've been at that gas station selling barbecue like out of a from behind the counter so, so like like I guess it's just like the thought of hey I might have eaten people.
1: Like I don't know. Yeah, that is funny. The other thing that this movie's positing is that um southern or not, uh just like Motel Hell, this movie posits that uh cannibalism is actually uh, awesome. <laughs> the implication here in uh this and Motel Hell is that the reason that these two local butchers are so famous? Is because their meat is so good, <laughs> and their meat is from people. The, the implication isn't that these guys have such great standards in their food preparation no. and their freshness. <laughs> like I, we looked at the battleground Texas. Like if anything, this guy is suffering a great handicap in terms of his, the freshness of his food. Like it's being <laughs> locked in a, in a skull box. Um, did you guys see that he has like a concrete the the body. Room is just like a concrete box yeah. with bones built into it. It's pretty, pretty metal. Yeah. Um, yeah. Aaron, would you? What would you rate that in the metal scale? One to ten. Uh, oh, one to ten. Well, then that changes things. <laughs> <laughs> um, How about the I'm,
0: scale I'm, metal I'm, and not metal? I'm, okay. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say pretty metal on um, a scale of
2: Nickelback to Slayer. Where would it be?
0: Uh, so let me slightly disagree with you um, about the meat is awesome situation because, yes, uh, he does win a prize for how good his meat or his chili is at the very beginning of this movie. And then it's never mentioned again, like in comparison to Motel Hell, which that kind of revolves around and that's the motivation for the family. I have
1: no fucking idea why he's participating in these chili <laughs> cookoffs. Like, well, it, do- it does sort of in terms of relating back to the first movie. So the first movie, Zach can help me out here a little bit. The implication of the first movie is that industrialization and automation of the uh, slaughterhouse industry, the the meatpacking industry, disenfranchised the Sawyer family who preferred the old methods and couldn't keep up there's a whole scene right before right before uh text chainsaw massacre two's dinner scene uh where they're discussing and this sort of taps into the vegetarian horror aspects of both movies but they're talking about how uh automating meat is uh you know it's evil you know there's i I prefer the the hammer method and they talk about grandpa's a one hitter grandpa's (laughs) proud to be the hitter um which i can i can kind of plug uh Rick Kelly, former guest, let it robot has a really great piece about Texas Chainsaw Massacre one on his website that I'll put in the show notes. Um, it's basically talking about how like the hitter was someone that like, he's the only one that really gets exposed to the meat. Cause the meat comes in through the door, the cattle comes in through the door, the guy hits it and then it gets, you know, cut up by the rest of the, the group. And it sounds like this is a family business that got disenfranchised by industrialization and corporations and the movie is kind of saying like this caused this family to become crazy, um, and so now the family that was always the whole family, so the family was always in meat packing. It was always in meat processing, I guess, uh, and now it's just moved on to people, um, and it's winning awards rather than you know pushing whatever southern texas's version of, of mcdonald's is out of, out of bounds it's it's winning the chili cook-off awards and shit that he, they can hide the meat in
0: so i guess what i'm saying though if they're trying to make it look appealing um and they were winning awards they shouldn't make it look like wet shit dripping out of a trophy <laughs> <laughs> i'm not
1: saying it's appealing to the audience the audience knows it's no, people no, right away I got, <laughs> no, like, unless toby
0: hooper had like the word flashing um across the screen just
2: shit I don't know how much more
0: obvious he could have made it that like this is gross.
2: I I love that like every time you see that trophy after the first scene, it still has the chili in it. That they poured in the bowl, like even in the car while he's driving. When he gets back to the home, he leaves the chili in
1: the bowl of the trophy the whole time. (laughs) How did they resist a scene where the chili bowl falls on him in the car and I just spills know. all over? How did they resist? This movie's already a fucking cartoon. Like, that's that's insane. Um, <laughs> so you're, you're, that's totally right. For some reason, the chili has to be in the bowl and the, or the award does not, is null and void. It's such a great little detail. There's always chili in that stupid bowl. <laughs> yeah. I love it. It kills me. I want to talk a little bit about Dennis Hopper in this movie. He's great. This movie's so fucking insane, we haven't gotten to Dennis Hopper yet. <laughs> Who is actually, like, the least insane part of this movie.
0: I would oh, say yeah. that over... I mean, we haven't talked about uh, the radio DJ. We haven't talked about uh, the fact that there's. it is kind of like a weird Bride of Frankenstein riff with Leatherface, and, <laughs> like, so we, we gotta get to a couple scenes before this is over, so... What do you guys want to talk about first? Do you want to talk about Dennis Hopper or do you want to talk about the weird love story? I want to know
1: how fucking Dennis Hopper... Uh, well, we can talk... We should talk about the love story because this is the title of the episode. Uh, Leatherface tries to murder the uh. girl and then gets excited. And uh, so basically, yeah, the, the plot of the movie, Aaron ran down. Uh, Leatherface at this point in the movie is hunting down uh, Stretch. Um, recording partner engineer uh, LJ has are is being murdered with a hammer, which is really, really gross. It's really harrowing. While um, LJ is, or sorry, while Stretch is being um, chased around a room by Leatherface.
0: Leatherface! Leatherface! (laughs)
1: Leatherface's (laughs) chainsaw is chewing up this (laughs) bucket of ice with beers in it, and she's just being sprayed with soda and beer while LJ is getting his head split open. And this is a scene in the movie where I was like, what the fuck is Toby Hooper doing? Because it's like, horrifying funny horror, like there's there's a pretty funny joke in her being sprayed with soda instead of her own blood like that's a, that's like a funny riff on the first movie but like then it's just like it, yeah, I, 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 now I'm finally on Aaron's side 100%. This movie is a fuck you. Oh, yeah. Um, well, it's,
0: to be it's fair, just like, hey, I was on that side, You think it's funny? Too. It's not funny.
1: It's funny. Great, yeah. Jack. You want to medal?
0: I like to convince people. I don't like when people start on my side.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, okay, that scene, though, has, like, the only real jump scare in the whole movie. And it's There's incredible. A, yeah. It's whenever she thinks she's safe in that room, and Leatherface just jumps through the wall.
1: <laughs> yeah Le- Leatherface has multiple jump scares in that early or er- that just that one scene when he jumps out of the record the record room <laughs> that's so great and he jumps out of the record room and then he also yeah bursts through the fucking wall and it's interesting to me because it's just like the first the first jump scare was so well timed oh yeah. that you're like cl- you're almost clapping at the audience it's like when you're in a fun house and something jumps out and spooks you the yeah. second time is like it's like Oh God! Is the rest of the movie just going to be this? <laughs> like that's sort of a sort of a lesson to other filmmakers. Like you get away with one really fun yeah. jump scare, and then after that, it's just exhausting.
0: Can we can we talk about though the? So I will say the one part of this movie that I have no idea what to make up. I don't know if I'm supposed to find it funny. I don't know if I should find it really gross in the prism of 2016. <laughs> is the uh, Leatherface chainsaw Viagra commercial? Like I don't know. I and I'm I'm not. Like, I don't know whether to be offended. I don't know whether to be bothered.
1: I don't know whether to laugh. I don't know whether I'm supposed to feel skeeved up. Are you talking about where his his chainsaw sort of dies and she's, like, trying to, like, psych him up? Yeah. And then he, like, and he sort of has to go get excited and then he gets mad and thrashes around the room. But it is like he is, It's an impotence joke. It (laughs) is, but it's... It's it's very funny.
0: It's so long and weird. Like, honestly, guys, I, I just, I'm... I'm a blank slate on this one. Like you could probably convince me either way, but there is just it, something about it. I couldn't. I couldn't watch it and not think. The second this, like, she's kind of enticing him to move it closer, and I get that it's a joke, but it's still a fucking chainsaw
1: near a private area. Like I, I don't know. I was kind of like, can this be over, please? So, so the one reason I would, I would say that it, oh, it's really uncomfortable and it goes on. Yeah. When I, I was like looking at my watch when it was happening, because it just goes on way, way too long. Also, um, the uh, you, one re-
0: you should tell people, uh, you have your your watch is just a lithograph of this scene.
1: Oh <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, so the. The, the the power in it for her, the empowerment for her is that she's clearly using her sex as, like, a tool to, like, manipulate him. Because she's found out, she's like, whoa, oh my god, this is, like, a, a lever that I can, I can use against him. Maybe I won't get chainsaw murdered to death if I use this.
0: By putting the chainsaw closer, see, again, it just, it's fucking...
1: Ugh. Yeah, and Is I, I get it and like it. I get it on that ground because I think that she it's never there's never doubt in your mind. Like she's never actually turned on by Leatherface. No. That's the power in it. That's where I think it's okay. Like she's never turned on by Leatherface. Hopefully yeah,
0: not. She, <laughs> no, she, she's not, but like her plan, I. so I guess I can take it as like a parody of like the plan of like, oh, come here and kiss me and stuff like that. But it definitely loses that I'm trying to use my sexuality to get a one-up win. Instead of, like, the the antagonist or the killer's hands or private parts or, like, body, it's a chainsaw that she's, like, enticing to move closer to her sensitive bits. Like, it, it is just kind of like, please don't, please don't go off. Please don't <laughs> turn that chainsaw on. Like, well, yeah,
1: yeah. All I, all I need is like a little bit of like a rudder, and then it's just yep, it's going. Yeah. And then you know, you've been fucking horribly mutilated. Yeah, it's oh. just it was it was too it was too viscerally uncomfortable for me to find the comedy in it. I guess
0: I'm not. I, and again, I'm not saying I, I am offended by it. It just was like, what is this for? <laughs> I'll tell
2: you why I love that scene. <laughs> because I, I I I like I thrive on like movies that make me uncomfortable. Like, I, I, I actively seek them out. Like, I've watched a Serbian film, and that's how I got into, like, Lars von Trier. Even when I don't like the movies, I'm always kind of interested in movies that make me uncomfortable because I, I, I just like finding that limit. Like, what is my limit? And what where, what gets me to that point where I cannot watch without a visceral reaction? So because of that, I've really desensitized myself to everything. <laughs> And how often do you yeah. listen to the song Push You to the Limit? Oh, daily. Okay. D- that and Danger Zone. And I also like... <laughs> whatever... What does Chop Top call it? In a... In a Vadi- <laughs> He says the name completely... In a Yeah, but he says the name completely <laughs> wrong. Like, In a Gita <laughs> or something like that. But no. So, like, that scene to me, like... It, it is uncomfortable still but to me just a little bit. Even though, like, I've seen far worse. But I think the fact that it keeps going on it has what you mentioned earlier it's like the rake effect at first you're like oh i get it it's like an impotence joke and you're like all right is this how long is this scene and then at some point you're like okay this is clearly like the point of this is how because intercut with that is chop top just like beating a guy in the head with a hammer and then showing it like the whole like not like off screen and you hear it like you, you see it you see him getting
0: thrashed with that hammer and yeah, it just it never circled around to being uh, amusing to me. And, and, and yeah. if the purpose of the scene was to make me uncomfortable and want it to stop, you know, warring it success.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: It's a complicated scene because it doesn't make you feel good when you're watching it. And then you're like, but it's a horror movie. And I'm like, I don't know if this is the kind of discomfort that I should feel in a horror <laughs> movie you know when like you know when a horror movie there's like i feel like one of the reasons that i like horror movies now is that i've seen so many that like i kind of know the safe boundaries of what it'll do to make me uncomfortable yeah and that operated outside my safe boundaries uh, so that's the so in that in that regard it it fucking works <laughs> yeah it's, it's just a really weird scene which kind of kicks off
0: this kind of like, um, I would say half-hearted, but still very amusing uh, love story where Leatherface falls in love and wants to protect her. And, and ultimately, that's what happens when he meets his demise by uh, Dennis Hopper, who <laughs> is in this movie. Uh, we need there, to talk about Dennis yeah, Hopper. We do, we, here, so here's what I, I want to start with talking about him. Um, so after, after this movie, this movie came out in 1986. After this movie, he did... River's Edge, Blue Velvet, Hoosiers. He was, like, back in the A-list right after this movie when he did River's Edge. And then kind of continued there. I mean, he was still in some shitty stuff on and off. Uh, but but uh, he never really left, like, the public conscious. Uh, after 1979, Apocalypse Now, he was in. He was just, like, disappeared, mainly because of his drug problem. And was in stuff that no one in this room has ever heard of so I'm going to say every movie that he was in from uh, (laughs) 1983 to he did this movie uh, and tell me if you've heard of any of these it's the Osterman Weekend White Star Jungle Warriors uh, The Inside Man not the one that you've seen or the other Mm -hmm. one that you've seen Uh, (laughs) Rabbit Ears The Ugly Duckling A Hero of Our Time uh, rabbit ears. The steadfast tin soldier. Start my science project. Riders of the storm, and then start colon mere image. Now, I've never. And some of these are television films. Some of these are direct to video. Some of these are short films. That was he did Rumble Fish, and then he did three years of that, and then he did Texas Chainsaw Massacre two, and then he basically did all movies for the most part that you've heard of. Uh, still did some weird straight-to-video stuff where he was the storyteller for a series called Rabbit, e- Rabbit Ears that I've never heard of. <laughs> but
2: yeah.
0: The Osterman Weekend's
1: a pretty good movie. He was really in the wilderness, it feels like, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But he's also a dude who's had drug problems. <laughs> like, he's, he's mentally ill. Like, he... he. But he all, on top of that, like, let's take that out of the equation. Because, like, everybody talks about Dennis Hopper and the fact that he probably snorted more, more cocaine than any human being could ever <laughs> snort in their life. Well, actually, though, um, though the,
0: the, because this was his bottom. Because he quit, and then he did Blue Velvet, and he, he jokes about that was my first movie. That and Hoosiers were my first movies off drugs. So, I do find it... Yeah, you're right that he went through a thing, and he had drugs he was definitely not in the a-list anymore but I love the idea he calls this the worst movie he ever did and right after this movie he stopped doing drugs I don't know if they're related but I love <laughs> the idea that, I, I love the idea that this is his bottom and then like putting this behind him and his lifestyle he turned it around like immediately
1: also it's it's unfair to just talk about the drugs because Dennis Hopper was a dude who um, no is, one can is... argue with that his, <laughs> his his contemporaries, the Jack Nicholson's, it's just like the Easy Rider era of filmmaking that he was a part of. They all wanted to change the sort of films that Hollywood was making, and they all wanted to, like, usher Hollywood into this new era. Uh, so the idea that, like, he did a bunch of movies that I've never heard of, I'm like, I don't know if that's on message for him or not. <laughs> like, I think he wanted to make a lot more iconoclastic type, like, Uh, easy rider movies for sure that like broke conversations and got people to like think outside the normal bounds of what a movie was like and none of those movies did so i'm imagining he was pretty pretty disappointed by that um well
0: and i I guess my point was less that he was trying to do stuff and you haven't heard of it it was more like these are these are not those types of movies which yeah. I thought was kind of implied by the titles like and again that's not a judgment I mean one of one of the segments we've done on the show a couple times is amazing actors who have been in a fuck ton of movies that you've never heard of like that that is a normal thing I just find it funny like that was the trajectory of his career and then it feels like TCM 2 was the bottom and then he rebounded
2: immediately after it yeah it just baffles me that he would think this is the worst movie he's ever been in. I've, I've seen, seen some pretty bad movies that he's been in. Like, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he's incredible in it, I think. Like, he's, you know, he's Dennis do, Hopper. Do you, do you think he's incredible in it? See,
0: that that's kind of surprising to me because I think he is the least interesting part of this movie. A movie I love. I, I'm, not say, I was, I'm not saying he's bad, but I think he's the least interesting I part.
2: would actually probably agree with that. But that just probably speaks to how much I like this movie. That I think, like, everybody in it Carolyn Williams, I think, is awesome. Uh, Mm -hmm. I don't even know the name of the guy who plays her sidekick that gets hammered to death. But, like, he... uh, It's a
0: great turn of phrase. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Like, he's great. Like, I'm assuming most of these people were either... Like, most of the people who don't have major roles were just Texans. Or that's what they specialized in playing because they're so good at it. But, like everyone's good at it
1: hopper really like ends up not being all that like crucial to the plot like he's he's, he's a side character but he's on the cover of most of the dvds yeah. like he's he's a side character that pushes the plot forward maybe more than uh than stretch does but he is yeah <laughs> he's well, like, not the main character he's, I, he's an agent of chaos that comes into the plot like when i watched it on monday i got to
2: the part where he just starts like i think he like opens that like entrails cabinet and it just spills out everywhere and then he just goes start and sawing things down and i for some reason in my memory that was like the beginning of the end of the movie and there's like 30 minutes after that and you don't see him for most of that
1: there's more than 30 minutes like they Is it get really? back to the sawyer compound and it's like 40 ish yeah, yeah. minutes yeah, it's, from the, it's the moment like, that he walks in that hall like it's, it's like crazy. half the movie and they just yeah, uh, half the movie takes place in the sawyer compound which i did not remember
0: no and they just occasionally cut back to him cutting through like because the yeah, whole thing he's is doing he, it's just yeah, sawing the, the whole thing is that he <sighs> went and bought three chainsaws one big one and two like little like pistol ones i guess <laughs> and he's gonna go kill them kill them with chainsaws and he finds an entrance, uh, which is kind of an awesome scene where he kind of kicks through the wood, like you said, and all these entrails kind of come out, and that's like just—I don't know—they don't like that part, and they put him in that cupboard uh, or whatever's <laughs> going on. But um, um, and then he just is like, "Well, I'm just gonna chainsaw my way until I until I find the Sawyer guys, yeah. and I'm gonna kill them." And there's all this other stuff happening with Stretch, and they just every once in a while they cut back to him just chainsaw on his way through the the compound, which I assume is the size of, like, at least a major sports stadium um, yeah. underground, because it's, like you guys said, 45 minutes, and then, like, every every 10 minutes, they just cut back to him, and he's like, yeah, going through this one! And, and then eventually yeah. he shows Burn up. Burn it down! Yeah. So, th- so I guess that's why I think he's the least interesting because he just, he, like, he basically has the least, he does kick the plot in motion and get yeah. Stretch involved, even though the first thing he does is like call for help and wants the media attention. And then the second he has media attention, he's like, you don't know what you're getting into. Get away from me. And then
1: his character makes no sense. No. How does he even find that first crime scene? No idea. They know him pretty it, well though. It isn't public knowledge yet that a chainsaw was involved. So he's just kind of investigating every single car crash. that's Probably. happened. <laughs>
2: Uh, I have a question about him. Do they ever, at any point, actually say... Now, I know, I mean, obviously they tell you his last name, but do they ever actually say his relationship to the woman from the first movie? I thought it was father, but, I mean, that but, could have well, been inferred by me. Well, yeah, no, I, I don't think it's ever actually stated it was his father, he was a father or a brother or anything... They, they, like, that and a couple other small little details that you'd think they would foreground are just completely left for you to pick up on. And I kind of like that.
1: I like when movies do that. There's no scene of him in a hotel room looking at a picture yeah. of, of of them from the first movie, maybe drinking a bottle of Jack Daniels and, like, just getting mad. There's yeah. no scene like that in the movie, which is, is in a way, way more interesting. Oh, yeah. Because, um, yeah, that... I don't yeah. even think I picked up on the fact that he
2: was at all related to her the first time I watched it. This time I noticed the last name and the opening you crawl, have, and I'm like, he must have been oh, really
0: confused. So, like, well, why? Why is he so into this?
1: Well, I just assumed <laughs> he was a lawman. <laughs> like, yeah, but he's I, he's operating out the bounds. They could have. He didn't uh, even have to be really related. He could have just been like an FBI agent. Yeah. Well, I think I had seen Devil's Rejects. You know. I, I had seen Devil's Rejects before I saw this,
2: so I. Which kind of, in a major way, borrows the basic like premise for, of the whole uh, like lawman hunting them down from this. And so I think I just kind of like imposed that what I knew
1: about that one onto this, I, <laughs> because and the fact that Bill Mosley is in it, and the fact that it's like a southern horror movie, like uh, there's no way Rob Zombie didn't see this and is, oh, is no. directly referencing it in Devil's Rejects. The face cutting off thing, especially. Guys, well, <laughs> I'm
0: ready. I'm ready to propose the the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 cinematic universe because yeah. so many connections. Um, <laughs> no, I. <laughs> I, I, just, just to get back to uh, the Dennis Hopper thing, though, like I do think it's like he has that great scene at the chains uh, chainsaw store, which Zach has told us <laughs> is a real thing,
1: a real yeah. store in Texas, I guess. Oh um, <laughs> and Also, not to mention that when he's doing that shopping scene, the the store clerk loves it. He's <laughs> in, in any other movie, and in any other movie he'd be horrified by that, right? Like yeah. the store clerk is like pumping his fists and shit like something's yeah. finally on happening in a, in finally small someone c-
0: hates this
2: log as much as <laughs> i
0: do that's another
2: great <laughs> texas moment where we, after he just piles that money on the guy doesn't say "Oh, well, thank you no he says hey don't you want to try it like <laughs> if, yeah, a, if, a exactly. cre- if a creepy guy like plops down a bunch of money and walks off with a chainsaw most people's instinct would be, alright, I'll let him go and I'll take the money. His is like, "Yes, hey, make sure you test it before you give me all this money. <laughs> don't like, Don't take my word for it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, Then and then he just kind of shows up at the end after 45 minutes of cutting through the compound uh, and kills Leatherface. It's just, yeah. it's just kind of a weird... It's like he's interesting and he definitely sold the movie. Like, yeah, I yeah. remember the VHS copy at the video store, just dabbing a it was very confusing. Just had a picture well, of Dennis Hopper
2: in a cowboy hat
0: on. He okay. also
2: he also totally like is a scumbag. I mean he he tells the he tells Stretch, okay, yeah, play that tape, but when they and I'll be ready there to save you. And then he just lets them kidnap her. Like they might have killed her.
0: <laughs> like, yeah, not I'm not clear. Her. He was he was trying to use her as he says that to her that he's like, I'm sorry, I had to use her you as bait or something. But like, yeah. bait bait doesn't work if you show up after they're gone yeah it's
2: true <laughs> like yeah like how did he know that, that she wasn't going to get killed and and follow them back to their compound
0: yeah for being from texas he does not understand how to bait an animal <laughs>
1: <laughs> or cannibals yeah no or cannibals definitely not um so did, but yeah Peter,
0: I, did I... you want to talk about the motel hell connections here
1: yeah definitely so this movie uh the reason i wanted to do this and motel hell and i actually separated them by the 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 weeks um was that they struck me as very similar but their differences are very striking so their approaches are totally different motel hell strikes me as like an ec comics type thing where it's like very deliberate very pointed very like uh like comedic in every aspect and it's very like clean and kind of pretty looking like motel hall is kind of a pretty looking movie like it, it works color really well uh texas chainsaw massacre 2 is supposed to be this like big ugly garish sort of campy comedy um like especially the the scenes in the the invasion of the the radio station are all super garish the way that it's lit, lit. yeah that pink light um, yeah pinks and reds and greens and it's very like it's very ugly and it's very uh intense and but they both featured essentially essentially the the story that I've heard is that Motel Hell was made inspired by Texas chains on Massacre and riffing off of it to- Toby Hooper uh was either somewhat offended by that or wanted to riff on Motel Hell again so this movie is directly from a filmmaker who was addressing Motel Hell and, and did you uh, mention that he, uh, Toby 80s, Hooper 80s. was supposed to direct Motel He was supposed to direct <laughs> Motel Hell. So Toby Hooper was very fucking aware of the yeah. fact that they were making a, a movie like that. And th- this movie is... And Motel... Um,
0: sorry, I'm not to interrupt you again, but Motel Hell was, was not supposed to be a comedy when Toby Hooper was, was attached to it.
1: Yeah, when Toby Hooper was attached to it, it was a very serious movie. And then it, it, a new director came in and it basically made it into a comedy Toby Hooper also, this wasn't supposed to be a, 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 a comedy. This is supposed to be a drama, like a serious horror movie. And then Toby Hooper came in and flipped the script. So that's why there's a lot of striking similarities. Notably, you know, they both have these, these Southern, uh, guys that they're, they're the front of the movie where, whereas, um, Vincent from Motel Hell is very charming and, you know, you could see him getting through a, a business meeting, um, Drayton is a like he's like he's we don't see him drink but he acts like a drunk like where he just like throws out sayings and aphorisms and then just sort of like mumbles from moment to moment like i mean he's the most eloquent of the sawyers but that's not really saying much um but they're both sort of just southern southern goofballs that run a, a, a cannibalism empire and uh motel hell you could extrapolate um vegetarian themes from i think better than this movie but this movie it's definitely there just like it is in the first texas chainsaw massacre
0: i like the idea of this underlying my idea though that this really is just a big fuck you it's a fuck you to (laughs) fans of the original it's a fuck you to the people that took motel hell away from them. like it's just an angry probably coked out man uh, making a sequel to like the Maybe one of the most iconic Horror movies of all time
1: Yeah it's just Toby Hooper and Dennis Hopper Doing lines off of each other Because Dennis Hopper's accent doesn't even stick around For <laughs> half of a scene Let alone the movie Well um, he, he
0: makes an interesting choice to sometimes Use facial expressions and sometimes not <laughs>
1: he's mostly his mostly his facial expression is uh gritting teeth which uh, is pretty understandable considering how much uh, grinding he's probably doing his face might have been so, very numb yeah <laughs> yeah yeah most definitely he's like he didn't know he had a face also so. I, I should note
0: so in the first scene where uh where stretch goes to the hotel he clearly so he he it's the opening of the movie. And he just get the only thing that we see Dennis Hopper at is uh, talking to the cops at the at the scene of the accident where the two 80s uh, jackasses are killed. Um, and he has a black eye, which must be completely unrelated to the movie that we're watching. Yeah, what's going Texas on there? It's a massacre be,
1: extended universe. Yeah,
0: because he hasn't done anything. To, he didn't have a black eye at the uh, at the when he was talking to the cops. And then the next scene we see him in, he's at the hotel. He opens the door and he clearly has a black eye. Um, and just, and, and looks like he's a, a, they accidentally, uh, did makeup make up for him for a zombie movie, which I'm assuming is just how Dennis Hopper looked that day,
2: which is sort of an amazing little thing. To My theory is that when he was walking to his hotel room, all those like shenanigans going on in the hall. some one of those guys just like bumped up against him and he just got into a vicious fist fight. And then we're just seeing after that. Yeah,
1: they they <laughs> cut around Dennis Hopper being a little too into the role. Yeah, <laughs> Dennis Hopper is a method in a different sort of way. <laughs> he I just I, meth. just, I just <laughs> yes. love that they, did,
0: they didn't even try to cover it with makeup, which almost. <laughs> almost makes it leaves me to believe that there is a deleted scene and that it wasn't like oh shit dennis hopper looks a little rough well whatever to he's be, really right he's really tired he's been fi- trying to find the
2: killers for 13 years um, see to okay me it looks, looks a little horrible. to me it looks like it's makeup i feel like that's makeup like gives him a black eye and he doesn't actually got, have a black eye i gotta i gotta
1: got tell you i hope it's not
0: we may never <laughs> know but <laughs> <laughs>
1: um yeah so do you guys uh we've we've Sort of been tiptoeing around the plot. Do you guys want to talk about the dinner scene to sort of yeah. bring this home? There's a dinner scene and there's a finale, and I think that both are really fantastic. Yeah, let's go for um, it. The dinner scene is just like the first movie, um, where it's a uh, the whole family's gather around to eat, and uh, she's the the woman is there not only to you know be a guest at the table but to be uh, dinner. And uh, grandpa is wheeled out and grandpa gets a big uh, sort of uh, anticipatory mo- scream from stretch who's just screaming and screaming, screaming before we see him. And when he does come out, he is appropriately disgusting because Tom Zavini kicked ass in this movie yeah, and one of Grandpa is grandpa is so gross uh, in this movie. He's this like de- decaying dude who's been l- feeding off of uh, women's blood for so long. He looks better than he does in the first movie. A little bit more active. Uh, Uh, He's actually the twin
0: brother of the grandpa from the first movie. No, you're
1: (laughs) fucking with me. That that part's a joke. (laughs) I think this is the best horror scene in the movie. They're all trying to get grandpa to like kill her because she's the cattle for the evening and he can't do it. He keeps like either just hitting her too lightly or he's... uh, Throwing the the hammer, and it's it's you know it's sad to watch in one way, and in the other way it's like oh thank God he's he's terrible at this, and it gives her an <laughs> opportunity to to get out because Grandpa's failing in his task. What do you guys think of the whole dinner scene? Grandpa failing at the up to her escape. It's pretty terrifying. Like it's, I mean,
0: it's it's pretty intense. It's it's the besides the the chainsaw penis, <laughs> I would say it's 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 it's, it's One of the major times that the movie kind of cranks it up to, please, please let this stop in the same way that the first one did so well Mm. at.
1: Yeah. That kind of discomfort that you're like, oh God, no more. Well, both this film
2: and the original do well. A lot of horror movies have that moment where they keep on like tensing it up and like, all right, about, they're just about to, you know, like get, Go into a buzzsaw or get stabbed or whatever, and then they escape. And then this one now she does end up escaping, but that scene ends with her getting knocked unconscious by the hammer. And yeah, like, definitely. you th- you think, Oh, she's gonna get free because he can't do it, and then boom, no, she's not, no, not at all. And like, Hooper's really good at like making you think, Oh, you think I'm gonna let them go at the end of this? Not fuck you, yeah. <laughs> and even in the original, he did that though that like no, it's sub- subverted like <laughs> oh you think everything'll be good not like at the in the original that's what's so great about the ending is that like where it would feel like a cop out in most other movies it did truly come at the end of a lot of despair and not like taking the easy way out so that like survival kind of works for her in the original in this one like she she's pretty mangled even if she survives at the end like she got beat with a hammer and knocked unconscious that's pretty and i I can't imagine that you know does a a lot of good things for the brain i don't know i'm not a i'm not a neurosurgeon but
0: oh i I thought we were only i thought we were only having scientists on this show uh, well you got a
2: mathematician this time
0: (laughs) that's like a scientist
2: back in a scientist who doesn't have to
1: do anything definitely agree that this is sort of it's riffing on the first movie but it's kind of doing its own thing and this is the point of the movie where i'm like okay this is actually a horror movie this is a it's a horror comedy but it still has that half of the equation um and so yeah dennis hopper comes in there's a chainsaw battle um which is another thing from motel hell i think motel hell's one is just like the actual movie uh, more neatly constructed um it's it's the clash between them feels more like a sword fight. Like yeah. you can sort of see the movement, the retreats, the forwards, the parries, like it, it feels like the physics of the chainsaw battle kind of matter more in motel hell. But in this one, it's, it's like the movie more floppy and crazy. And
0: yeah, if I had to, if I had to pick one and I don't, cause there's no reason that you need to do that, <laughs> but, um, you have to I would be actually, lucky I would, to have two. yeah, I would, I would actually go for motel hells as, uh being being slightly more effective, I think. Uh, I think. I think. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacres Two is more fun, but just because it, it's the whole weird thing about having like the two little pistol ones, and uh, you know, I'm. This is gonna sound so dumb for what kind of movie this is, but this is the <laughs> one point I'm like, why does why is he even doing this chainsaw thing?
1: <laughs> just get a yeah, gun, dude. It, Shoot it, him. It, it, that was I. Wrote, I wrote down. Uh, Dennis Hopper is under the impression that it takes a chainsaw to beat a chainsaw, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is not true. Dude, to to kill
0: him, I must become him. Like no, you don't.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you don't. Which is funny because yeah, it's like a sword movie at that point. Like the nobody has it. Nobody has a gun to just step in and be like boom, boom, boom. There were there was a gun in the first scene.
0: <laughs> it's just so it's so weirdly and again I know it's not the type of movie where it matters, but it was so omnipresent in this movie that like i couldn't help but go okay why is he doing this chainsaw thing again why is this such a big part of the movie (laughs) now that he thinks he's found them like it it was it was i was i actually had a note about this where it was like the one part where it was even in kind of an over-the-top campy parody type horror movie it was like stretching credulity to the point that i was like okay what are you doing like it, it, I I thought it was funny a lot of it, but there were there were moments where I'm like, why why is he doing this again? So I think I think because of that, I would give a little bit of the edge to Motel Hell's because at that point you just kind of have an insane person uh, using the chainsaw <laughs> wearing a pig mask, and then like his victim, it just reaches for whatever's around to to save himself.
1: Yeah, I think in general, Motel Hell is the more concerted. Uh, if that's what you're looking for. If you're looking for a crazy coked out 80s movie, this is the better one because yep. Motel Hell doesn't match that definition at all. But um, if you're looking for a more concerted movie effort, I think Motel Hell is the is the, is the winner. Um, but this one, still, like we said, we don't have to pick. You See, I vastly a... prefer this one because I've never seen Motel Hell. <laughs> <laughs> but Motel Hell in your imagination could be so amazing. I'm picturing the... The last
2: lightsaber fight from Empire Strikes Back with chainsaws. <laughs>
0: <laughs> scene for scene, yeah. <laughs> they came out
2: the
1: same year.
0: Um, it's actually Empire Strikes Back stole a lot from Hotel Hell. Fun fake <laughs> fact.
1: Um, there's this moment where Dennis Hopper, during this fight, he says, "I'm the Lord of the Harvest, meaning like <laughs> yeah. he's going to cut all them down. And then, uh, the and then this is the only line that I think is like funny enough that it could have been in Motel Hell like concerted joke joke kind of funny and uh, Drayton goes what is that some new health food bunch yeah.
2: <laughs> well it <laughs> takes Drayton a ridiculous yeah. long time to figure out what this dude's deal is because he's still like after he's trying to kill him like <laughs> I'll pay you whatever they're paying you
1: <laughs> yeah Drayton is five minutes behind everything like he doesn't realize he doesn't yeah. realize he's had his butt cut until he's like pretty much dying like because uh drayden gets a chainsaw in the butt
0: no matter how often you work around chainsaws yeah. uh, mistakes happen
1: let's run to the finale and uh kind of wrap this this boy up like aaron was sort of hinting at earlier um or zach was hinting at earlier chop top is sort of the lead villain in this movie in a way because he's he's the final baddie to take down and basically, uh, Stretch runs to the top of the, the tower and she discovers that they, there's also a grandma who is even more ancient than grandpa and is like this stone sort of monument. Also, just like grandpa, really gross looking and really, really interesting visually. Um, and there's, she's got a chainsaw on her hand and he's like, no, get away from her. And then she gets the chainsaw. She manages to get it going after just chop top is going at her with the knife just slashing at her slashing at her and it's a really long sequence and it's really harrowing on a horror level the last like the best horror in this movie is in the last 30 minutes so it's she and she eventually gets it going she murders uh chop top uh and then she swings sort of in a a, maybe not a parody of the first movie but uh sort of in a callback to the first movie she's Freaking out, and just screaming and raising her hands above her head. But this time, she's got a chainsaw. So this time, it's like an empowerment image. And I think the last shot in the movie is amazing looking because yeah. it's, it's she's in this giant yeah. like skull head. And just in terms of like almost fantasy horror visuals, it's really striking. Yeah,
0: I'm kind of surprised that you think that it's not a parody of the original. It, like she does almost like motion for motion the same movements as. Leatherface at the end of the yeah. at the end of the first one, and if and if I mean I didn't compare the two, but if it wasn't the exact same, then it was meant to evoke the exact same uh, feeling of frustration that Leatherface has at the end of um, yeah. at the end of the first one.
1: Yeah, it's it's basically the same the same move, and it's basically her becoming Leatherface. And I'm not sure if that's supposed to be funny or not because it's it wasn't funny to me. It was just sort of like empowering. <laughs> um, sort of thrilling on a, on a base level. I, yeah, I didn't find it. Um, I didn't find it funny. I just found it really thrilling.
0: Yeah, yeah. I didn't think it was funny. I just think it's an overt yeah. parody, um, and I, I think it's. Um, I think it's meant to evoke a different kind of frustration, like um, where Leatherface at the end of the first one is 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 throwing his chainsaw around because he's um, he's frustrated that um, the person got away because he wanted to kill the person with the chainsaw and she's doing it as kind of a uh, the opposite of that, which is she had to kill someone with a chainsaw was successful at it and that was not something that she wanted to spend her uh, Saturday morning doing. <laughs> so I mean, so like it's a different kind of frustration, but I guess the movements are the same. Like if you're frustrated and holding a, a, a chainsaw that's just that's what you that's your go to move. That's ingrained yeah. in all of us as people.
1: Um, yeah, but she goes she goes primal, and I think it's a beautiful image to end the movie with. And I think it's a really strong. If you're going to go out, you got to go out strong. But uh, yeah.
0: And as a first time watcher, I could not believe. Like it, I agree with you; it's a great image to end on. It's just a great image in general, uh, end on or not. But I was super surprised as a first time watcher that they did not go back to Leatherface or Dennis uh, Hopper. Yeah, exactly.
1: They're just dead. The grenade went off, uh, Drayton's grenade went off. It presumably killed everybody but her. She's the last, last woman standing. So in that sense, it's like a empowering... Final image um for heroines in these kind of movies. Um the uh yeah, do you guys have any final thoughts on uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2? I think if you
0: haven't seen it, you should. And I don't think that at this point in your life you're gonna be in a situation where uh you think that this is going to be a continuation <laughs> of the style that Tobey Hooper established no, in the not, first one. Yeah. Because it's just not. It's a It's it's you know, I think we talked about it for probably the majority of this episode that this is um, if it wasn't an intentional fuck you to every everyone and everything involved with the first one and like subsequent movies that aped its style. uh, It was definitely a subconscious one because it it feels just dripping with (laughs) contempt. And uh, and that's you know what? That is a strange feeling to give a movie it's unique in that way it's also unique because toby hooper is in his element it's working with the kind of canon type stylization of movies like i mean it's it's just it's bizarre it's strange it's weird it's um yeah fucking watch it don't be like me and wait till you're 33 years old and do it only because
1: uh your (laughs) co-host makes you yeah twist your arm I was I was yeah. really excited to see it yeah it's a different movie than it I originally thought I thought of it sort of as a um, ripoff or a riff on motel hell to a crazy degree but their approaches are very different. Um, there's a lot of similar elements, and I think that if you like Motel Hell, this will be an interesting sort of riff on that. And if you like um, 80s comedy horror movies, that this will scratch that itch, because it, it has both of them, particularly in the last 30 minutes.
2: I don't have any thoughts that you guys already didn't cover, so I'm going to just rattle off. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> you, you said it well. Like It's a great movie. It's, it's nothing like the first one, which is what I love about it. Like I kind of love when sequels to any movie's are just a completely different kind of movie that's what i love about like alien and aliens it's what i love about the first two terminators it's what i love about all the godzilla sequels and godzilla
0: yeah when when your first movie's perfect, yeah you're not going to improve so on it so why do not take completely it in different, different and that's, that's what
2: this does and i love that about it it's, it's just a movie i love i do have three little little bits of weird things i noticed one of which has no sensible explanation First one is, have you guys ever listened to the band Primus? Mm Mm-hmm. All right, in Jerry Was a Race Car Driver, the Primus song, there's either a sample of this movie or just for no reason at all, Les Claypool says the phrase, Dog will hunt in exactly the same way as Chop Top. (laughs) And I don't know why that is. It has nothing to do with this song. I looked up lyrics to see if they somehow reference this movie, and they don't at all. He just goes, Dog will hunt (laughs) in the
1: middle of the song. So I don't know what that's all about. That's got to be a reference. That guy loves
2: or
0: just, Or just an accidental thing that like got ingrained <laughs> right. in him and he just says. You know, we all we all have all of our phrases <laughs> we say a lot of times in certain inflections that we got
2: somewhere. He may well, not even realize Well, and Les Claypool seems like he could be a character in a Tobe Hooper movie. So <laughs> there's, there's that too. The <laughs> um, second thing, the, at one point I think it's Stretch asks – or someone asks Stretch – what is that? The soundtrack to Rambo 3? Rambo 3 was not a movie when this was made. I read that
0: too, which is um, which is pretty awesome. But why is that a line? <laughs> they don't really let you know, but this movie takes place in 2070. <laughs> she should have referenced Rambo 10
2: or whatever. <laughs> no, they, oh, they, okay. they stopped at 3 in that <laughs> in universe. <the> alternate universe. <laughs> we didn't have to suffer through 4. The other final thought is one thing I love about the movie is that Carolyn Williams is great in it. Unlike a lot of horror movie heroines, she has, like, almost no, like, dumb horror movie character moments. Except for one. And it drives me nuts because it's so inconsistent with her every other smart, for the most part, thing she's done up to that point. When she's running from what she thinks is the Sawyers, but it's actually Dennis Hopper. After she's already on their Sawyer property. She runs Mm -hmm. into that, like those archways that kind of prevents the car from getting to her. And then the car drives under the archways and she doesn't think to just step outside of the archways. Like if she, (laughs) if she took like five steps outside the archway, that car couldn't get to her anymore. And I, and I, and that's the only thing that drives me nuts. That's the one bad thing about this movie. That one moment. So in the eight, in the 80s, there was no such thing as three dimensional oh, yeah. space. <laughs> that makes sense then. Uh, oh. It was awful.
1: we invented
0: <laughs> yeah. it. When... I'm actually again. I, I think she was. Yeah, I think she was a smart heroine. Except for uh, that's less concerning because I feel like yeah. in the moments of panic, it's why the yeah, criticisms no. of Prometheus yeah, no, don't I, really <laughs> <laughs> register. Because when you're when you're panicking, you just you move and you don't you don't think yeah. about where you're moving. But um, I I think again her her complete lack of knowledge on how the FCC works <laughs> that's way more that's way more concerning than which way she runs when she's scared um but yeah thank you so much for joining us Zach this was a it's a great episode um
2: based on this this is my favorite appearance so far
1: um yeah we had a blast with uh with you on this episode we're definitely gonna have to get you scheduled soon for the next uh Zach Groton appearance thank you very much for coming on
0: and do you have anything else to plug I know we totally skipped it last time on accident. Not at the moment. If you need someone to yeah, teach you wanna, algebra. If you
2: want to learn algebra or geometry, be in eighth grade or seventh grade and it'd be advanced. And you probably should cut that out. Don't Don't include me mentioning where I work. <laughs> That's a I'll, I'll nip. is. I'll nip it. If you'd like to learn algebra, uh, I can't help you there. Because you're probably an adult. <laughs> I hope. It's too late. Just get over it. You're never going to learn algebra.
0: Well, Zach, if you think of something to plug, we'll mention it right. on a subsequent episode.
2: Uh, yeah, I'd like to plug uh, the movie Hell or High Water. Go see that. It's good. I had nothing to do with it. So.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, and you, rec- you, you recently appeared on a podcast to
2: discuss Superman 2. Uh, do you want to plug that? I was recently on We Love to Watch podcast talking about Superman 2. Hear me there. And that's all I've done. Yeah, that's- a great episode of that show.
1: Yeah, thank you very much for, for coming on, Zach. We know that you're, uh, especially now with school and everything, that uh, time is short, so. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, and so on next week, guys, uh, is the start of a new month. After five weeks of redneck horror, we are on to bug fuck nuts <laughs> craziness. I don't think we ever really settled on a full title. That that sounds good enough. It's basically batshit crazy movies. Um, and next week we are doing goke. Body snatchers. I, I from knew you were now. gonna. I knew you were gonna that say is Definitely it like that. the title. <laughs> yep, I double checked it after last week uh, because I was a little confused. I love the movie. Peter hasn't seen it. I'm really excited about that. Um, we. Uh, I'm not quite sure what the next episode after that is going to be. It's going to be one of two things, uh, but we have not quite finalized our our guest appearance. But the next three movies that we will be doing that month will be in close to this order. Uh, Haosu, followed by Southland Tales, followed by Fantastic Planet. So it's going to be somewhat approximating that order, but next week will definitely be Goke Body Snatcher from Hell.
1: Um, yeah, and we now have a new YouTube channel, uh, Dustin Koski, a previous guest from the Simple Plan episode. Um, he uh, has been working with us to have a YouTube channel. There's a lot of new content up there that's really fun clips from our show uh other sort of uh, video projects that he's been working on and uh yeah we'd like to thank dustin and uh yeah you can find us uh on youtube
0: yeah and, and there's going to be an announcement uh, regarding a special uh new episodic video feature that will be on uh, on that site as well so we're we'll we'll announce that in a few weeks but we're you know keep a keep a close eye out so thank you very much for listening everyone have a good night good night person that sounds like <laughs> you're gonna end it all <laughs>
1: Folks, thanks for listening to We Love to Watch. If you want to get in touch with us, please reach out to us at either our website, WLTWpodcast.com, or our Facebook group, Facebook.com/We Love to Watch. And uh, yeah, reach out to us, give us some feedback, give us some support, uh, suggest movies for the show, all that. We are also available on SoundCloud, TuneIn, Stitcher, and iTunes. Thanks for listening.